Hey everyone, Jacob here from that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Over Manga Cast. This week, despite the stand battles, we didn't read JoJo's, but actually the thoughtful Ajin by Sakurai Gaman, and we read the first 12 chapters. Come with us on this journey of empathy, humanity, morality, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the uh, property that we read this week. Uh, I had not heard of this one so entirely new read for me. I don't know why I said that in a tone that said there was a more dramatic uh, answer. I just hadn't heard of it before. How about you, Matt? Uh, same for me. I think I had seen the anime advertised, but I knew barely anything about this going in. Uh, Jay, how about you? Uh, same, actually. I had seen this advertised, though I distinctly recall watching or at least uh, some other series that occupied my time. So aware of it. First time reading. And Jacob. Uh, total blind read for me. Never heard of it. Yeah. So as always, uh, this is why you should send in your recommendations, because otherwise none of us would know this manga exists. Exactly. Recommendations are the uh, the lifeblood of the show in that regard, so uh, we are happy to have them. Lifeblood, something that comes up a lot in this. <laughs> because we open with a very, uh, just straight out the gate. We have a man uh, wrapped up like a mummy with a big old 002 on his forehead and a gun pointed at him. Uh, a... Doctors saying to advance mankind and blatting them right between the eyes. This is not a subtle opening in any any shape or fashion. No, it is not. And after that very uh, harrowing opening uh, page, we cut to uh, our main character who is making his way home after uh, just spending a day on summer break, uh, thinking about how the break's almost up and it's time to get back to school. And how his friend died in the mountains. No, no, not that one. No, 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 no. It's it's got similar energy, but considering yeah. this came out ten years before the other, <laughs> yeah. So actually, yeah, he is about to come back to class, and we see him. He is very studious because even though they have been on summer break, our protagonist has never apparently taken any breaks or taken any relaxations. He's been constantly on the go, studying to become. A doctor. Mm -hmm. He's a smart brainiac. He's got them flashcards, even when he's just strolling along with the boys. And as uh, our protagonist, whose uh, name is Kay Nagai, is continuing on with his uh, with his companions, he sees a uh, Bakugo looking dude mm -hmm. just enjoying a sandwich outside a convenience store who gives him a friendly wave. A uh, boy who a boy by the name of Kai. Uh, that Kay can i just say these names <laughs> i know kai's full i know kai is a nickname and his full name is kaito but k and kai being the two main dudes just, uh, anyway so you can tell you like, can tell that they're brothers they have such <laughs> similar names k and kai like how everyone named matt and mike are identical <laughs> yes they literally just are monosyllabic words that start with the same letter but <laughs> I know, but it kept confusing me while I was reading that that's a me problem. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that that's going to be a thing. Probably. That, that their names are 
setting up some kind of parallel between them. And, like, not just character parallel, but, like, narrative parallel. Mm-hmm. I think I see what you're getting at. Yes. It's resonating with a similar thought that I had, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, K... Very dismissive but, of him. Yes. You're very friendly, too. Kai, you know, waves. He says, oh, nice to see you, waves. And he's like, ew. I'm not gonna... I don't know that freak. Yeah. It's like, screw you, then. Jeez. Standard, standard kid response. <laughs> Is he one of them demi-humans? Now things get weird. Yeah, the summer break is over. The boys are back in school. And we have a day one of the new semester presentation on the immortal humans that have emerged in the past, like, 20 years. Like, is this just their, is this just their homeroom teacher or like, is this a specific subject? Like, how did this come up? We need an exposition and we don't know any other way to do it. <laughs> I, I gotta say, yeah, this took me out of it the most of anything that a middle school history class would be going over current events. Uh-huh. We never even made it past the 18th century in ours. <laughs> that was high school, if anything. Yeah, like something that happened within the past two decades being in a... Uh, but uh, it is through this um, perhaps somewhat clunky exposition device that we learn um, 17 years ago in Africa, a military man who the locals called the soldier of God proved to be uh, entirely invincible in that no matter how much you shot him, he just kept getting back up. I like how they don't mention it here, but in the prologue bit, it's referred to as Nation X. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wonder what Nation X could be. Oh no, uh, Wiley's son is going to start developing dark chips over there. <laughs> Whatever shall we do? As soon as I saw it called Nation X, I'm just like, oh boy, Jake's going to have a field day with this one. I mean, I I get it. You don't want to pick a particular country in Africa, but like, but making a Mega Man Battle Network reference is <laughs> a choice. To be fair, what I'm mocking is what the prologue did that then the actual manga didn't do. So, yeah, they fixed it, I guess. Like, uh huh. We learn that these uh, Aijin, the demi humans, have uh, two distinct features. They are immortal. You kill them and they get right back up. And they have a peculiar voice. The teacher doesn't go into any sort of further detail about what this peculiar voice is, just. It's a facet of them, but I, I love how it's explained in that level of importance every time, too. It's just like the demi-humans are exactly identical to human beings in every single way, other than the fact they are immortal. Also, mm -hmm. I guess they might have a weird voice thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, well, it kind of like brings it kind of starts. This is where the terror starts of starts to build, because a lot of the hysteria is the fact that they are for all intents and purposes, indistinguishable from nor normal human beings. I, I wish there was terror and hysteria in this because it would make people's reaction to these things make so much more sense. Because then we get, uh, we get uh, Kay asking what seems to me like a reasonable question. So, like, do we consider demi-humans not human? And the answer is, well, obviously. These thinking creatures that feel pain are definitely not human. What? So, Jacob, to be fair, it's not right here, but later on, they do actually kind of address this. Yeah, like this is it's implied that this is just a general like 
history class like this is just a teacher he's not a researcher or anything like he's basically sharing information that was covered on the news but it Uh, see what i'm hearing is all of you have never had a middle school teacher go on a weird conservative rant to students (laughs) (laughs) and it really shows damn considering where jake and i went to middle school that lucked out (laughs) but (laughs) i'm i'm glad for the teachers i got assigned to yeah but um it, I do agree with Jake that it is kind of weird, especially the way that it's phrased, because it's like Kay asks, are demi-humans not human? And everyone just kind of looks at him like he's a weirdo for asking that. And the teacher goes, I mean, isn't it obvious? I mean, no, they're identical to human humans in every way, except for when they find out that they're not. So it's there's, like there's a particular moment later that really bugs me about this, but we'll get to that. Oh, I'm excited. Especially because the manga goes out of its way to phrase it as they are identical to humans in every single way. And I'm like, if if you truly believed something, like if you were going to other them, you'd do it you'd when you're initially describing it. Yeah, you'd make them more different. So it was more justifiable. As monsters masquerading as human beings. But yeah, again, like I, I, I see what you guys are meaning. Like, But, but it, again, in the context of this chapter, they do it that way so you can lead up into it. Like, Right, right. Yeah, no, hmm. it's not a... It's it's a weird curiosity in the world building here. You know, it's just I feel I feel choices were made later on that we'll get into. But like here, it it builds the mystery of like, what are these things that they call them identical to humans, but don't treat them as if they are humans? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we've also got that douchebag kid in the class who's like, of course, they're not humans. But I heard you'd get like a million dollars if you turned one into the government. And then the teacher is legitimately just like, well, so, like, only 47 of them exist in the entire world. So the idea that you heard there is a cash prize and you heard an exact amount of what that cash prize is really just inconsequential because they're not common enough. There's like 8 billion people on this planet. The chance of this even being relevant is so small. Also, God, that that kid, man. Yes, he is a punchable face kid. <laughs> it- it's it's the eyes. It's the fact that his eyes constantly have that sort of half-lidded look like, eh, I don't care about nothing. He, he's, he's up, he's up to shit. He, he is definitely a caricature of someone who would go to, like, a preppy middle school. Yeah. Which actually, yeah, all of this discussion is happening in, like, a preppy middle school. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's also flavoring things about, like, yeah, they look exactly like human, but, like, what? They think they're better than us or something because they can't die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that entire exchange is cut abruptly short because we are launched into a sliver of a backstory or a flashback. Very sad flashback. Yes. It's very sad because it involves dead dog, but it's also very interesting from a lore and character perspective. I'm also sad about the one page where a dog dies and not the multiple pages where people with families are killed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes, Matt, you just, understand why I cared more about the cat than the humans in Alien. I'm just saying, like, it, I spend an uncomfortable amount of time, like, looking at this picture, because I'm like, the morbid curiosity part of me is like, what did this dog die of? Mm-hmm. It was but, a sick puppy like that. I, I do like the sort of Chekhov's gun that's placed here, where the mother is very uncaring. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is cursing the pet shop for giving them defective merchandise. Puppy mills. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, treating a dog as an object and not as a member of the family like you should. And so we have the uh, 
the two kids, mom notably absent, digging a little popsicle stick grave for the dead dog. Uh, sister, little sister crying her eyes out. Kay. And like her comment has a notable psychological effect on them because they're both thinking like you die because you're defective, which is like. Well, so much to unpack. To like rationalize it because he's like she his sister asks why did he die and he says well it couldn't be helped this is inevitable because he was sick mm-hmm. and then the profound so if you're defective in any way you die so then why do we die it's not like we need to and as Kay is thinking this a spooky ghost monster a shadow <laughs> manifests behind him and then flashback ends <laughs> we're back in the present so oh, yeah. it's a good thing it's a good thing that uh Kai doesn't daydream too much. Something bad might happen if he did. This was very <laughs> poignant just because it's like, is this, this is a very coincidental like flashback that we just happen to be talking about demi-humans. And he's like, oh, let me bring up this traumatic event that happened in my childhood, in which I saw like one of these ghost like creatures pop up. Yeah, law of economy of storytelling. <laughs> it was the subject matter, to be fair. Yeah. Also, also, to be fair, the main character is concerned about why this memory suddenly came up. Like, yeah, yeah. because at this point, like, there is he doesn't see that connection, obviously, because he's just like, "What do you mean? We're we're to assume that you know everything is normal, and this is just a random, baseless inquiry, you know?" Mm-hmm. And so he's spaced out, thinking about this memory, and just walks out into the streets, straight in front of Truckun. Truck, <laughs> good old truck gun. Being Except driven, you can't isekai somebody if they don't die. Yeah, I know I spilled the tea, but there you go. Yep. Also, God, this can, guy. We, can, can we just can we just have a brief round of applause for shittiest human being with the with the driver of the truck? <laughs> I mean, even before, like this guy was full on having a very involved like conversation, like pulling I, in front of a school. I understand. Like, Don't talk but, on a cell phone while driving. Yeah. yeah this, this truck driver was not paying attention, runs at way too fast a speed for this area through like a school zone where people are clearly about to cross. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and then he gets out with his cell phone still and starts taking a picture of the light to prove that uh, it wasn't my fault. The kid went out when he shouldn't have. Ah, mm-hmm. so that's what that is. Cause I had questions. I'm like, because this wasn't, you know, I don't have a color copy in front of me. I was like, why are you? What are you doing? Well, that's what he <laughs> yeah. says he's doing. And and like he's he's like trying to. Hey, did anybody call the uh, call an ambulance? I mean, the cops. This is definitely not my fault. You saw it wasn't my fault, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, should it's I like, take a picture of the body? I guess <laughs> like it's yeah. like never mind that you ran over a child. Hey, hey, also, even if I don't know how the rules specifically work in Japan, even if he wasn't supposed to cross, he's still a pedestrian. You still killed him. Actually, mm-hmm. no, trucks have right away in Japan. That's how they uh, isekai so many people. Damn it, you're beating <laughs> to it. I was going to make that joke, too. I'm just saying, it's just funny that he's going through all these mental gymnastics to prove, well, the kid obviously was wrong. It's like, he's still dead. Well, yeah, because he doesn't want to go to jail. <laughs> like, you're still. My point is, you're still going to jail. He's still killing. Kun always has right of way. <laughs> well, well, fortunately for uh, asshole driver man, he's not dead because turns out K is a demi-human. He 
stands back up, the blood oozing back into his body. In this a, is just great. I love the art on this, depicting this restoration. It's very, very oh, graphic. Oh yeah, it it is deliciously gruesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. As everybody is just staring in shock as Kay is watching his own flesh knit back together. And, you know, his group of friends, massive air quotes. Are his like, peer group, his, his, mm -hmm. his, his squad is all like, oh. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, Bit Eater Kid, the very punchable face, he's just like, hey, yeah, well, you're human. Of course we believe you. And After all, yeah, absolutely. I like the thing that, like, uh, convinces Kay that he it needs to extricate himself from the uh, situation is one of the things I couldn't help but notice was really, like, weird and off-putting and scary about the way people uh, talked about the demi-humans. The utility of demi-humans. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah, that's one of the things from, like, the uh, the opening page. It's just, like, before they shoot that guy in the head, the doctor says, to advance humanity. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. like it, it's clear that they don't see the demi-humans as people. They see them as opportunity or tools, just, you mm -hmm. know, guinea pigs. And so, yep. And so, Kay, with the very natural reaction of I don't want to become a lab rat getting stabbed by mad scientists for the rest of eternity, freaks out, screams and runs away. And here's where we have the first instance of the strange voice of the demi-humans uh, paralyzing everybody with his uh, scream as he flees. Yeah. And then the bag of the driver, he's like, ha, I'm safe. I didn't kill anyone. Woo! <laughs> Godfrey! <laughs> Godfrey! <laughs> we take those! <laughs> I'm gonna start drinking and smoking while I drive. <laughs> <laughs> Just what a scumbag. Holy I'm going to do a few victory laps around the school zone. <laughs> <laughs> Donuts in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, but what particularly, and I know we already touched on this, but particularly irks me about this scene, and we'll talk about this later, but it's this particular the character who specifically, you know, put into his head that, you know, we're still, we're still going to stand by you. We're still going to be your friends. And you're, Totally are human. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of like, uh, rubs me the wrong way of who specifically said that. Well, to be fair, he's clearly disingenuous about it. He was the one bragging about how yeah. if you, if you bag a demi human, you get paid big bucks by the government. But that's what I mean. Like if it had been another student, I probably wouldn't have felt that way, but well, it's you're just supposed like, to hate them. Yeah. yeah they, they, they made that caricature as payable as humanly possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bit of an opportunity cost in the storytelling. <laughs> but uh Kay now very understandably is on the run because holy shit, I do not want to get captured. <laughs> yeah, but who overhears his ruckus? None other than I don't want to say Kai. Friend Kai. Uh mm -hmm. who immediately I guess catches on because in this scene he's like questioned about like, oh, do you know a kid, you know, by Kay Nagai? And he's like Huh, never heard of him. Because that, that guy that kid's a real friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like never heard of a day in my life. Yeah, yeah, Kaido's a real one. Also, I I do like the subtle change in the speech bubbles because as soon as 
K is revealed to be a demi-human. Every time his name comes up from like an authority figure, it's got quotation marks around it. Like it's a designation for an experiment. That it's very much just othering. It's like, you know, this thing that calls itself K. Yeah. His his full name is used in such a way that it's just like its own noun. All personhood has been stripped away from it. And like the way the dialogue works with that, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it, this happens a little later, but like my favorite instance of this is when um, the government is confronting his mom and they're like, and she's talking about like, I didn't have any idea that Kay. And then she corrects herself. He's just like, I didn't know anything about. She says his full name in such a way that like removes any connection to her. Mm hmm. Which is a. A brilliant in terms of storytelling, but gut wrenching in terms of emotions payoff to her heartlessness with the dead dog. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I don't think this lady is uh, very emotionally available in literally any way. <laughs> it's all about being a fine human being. But uh, Kaito, uh, upon hearing about what happened to Kay, is very concerned for him. And Kay, uh, hiding up in the mountains, doesn't want to turn his phone on for obvious reasons, but he's like, okay, okay, I need, I need, I need help. I need somebody to give me even a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. Who can Kai Kaito might be able to help me. And he remembers a, he has a flashback of the two of them as uh, young boys going on in adventures and his mother saying that uh, I'm going to delete his number from your cell phone for unexplained reasons as of yet. But, but this just immediately reminded me of, I don't know, back in the day, I used to remember people's phone numbers. Yeah, because he goes mm -hmm. off like, hey, I've memorized your phone number. Why would mm -hmm. you do that? Just because I wanted to. And I'm like, oh, I, I see why mom doesn't want them hanging out. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. But <laughs> I mean, I thought that too. Some of her car died is... No, <laughs> no, that, that's everything. also... That's also a bad relationship, actually. <laughs> but it has painted our expectations a little bit. Kaito is immediately ready to uh, hop to case defense. He's already got the the getaway bag with yeah, food he, and water. He's got the bolt bag like half half packed already. He's like, I'm already getting everything together, man. I'll meet you at that at that emotionally significant tree. Yeah, the big the big moment is Kay being the one to be like, We'll meet at the emotionally significant tree, but unfortunately, at the emotionally significant tree, um, K is confront. Yeah, a cop finds him, and I love the cop's dialogue because he's just like, "Hey, kid, I got. I mean, you might be one of those demi. The, the cop shows the most humanity out of all the characters so far. Where he goes like, "I get you're just a kid, but like, I really want my daughter to respect me." Because being a cop somehow does not immediately instill respect in my child for some reason. <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, she's one of them liberals. <laughs> and I was really confused, I guess, in the scene, because I, I have to agree, he shows the most humanity where he's like, hey, I have to bring you in. I know you're not like dangerous or anything, but I'm going to bring you in myself. And then to distract him, Kay goes off and says, you know, like, he, he obviously tries to distract him by saying, you know, your daughter's going to, like, get killed or whatever. And I'm confused by this because I'm just like, is he just, Well, I get, situationally, I'm just like, 
I don't think she's out here with them. No, no, no. It's, well, it's, it, be it's because the cop is specifically trying to like form a human connection with him to like get him to turn himself in by talking about his family and his daughter. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's he's bringing him in with like an emotional connection, and Kay immediately goes, "Well, my buddy over there is going to kill that daughter of yours," and it's like mm. that sudden like connection being severed, and like, wait, what is yeah. really what throws him off? He 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 pulls a much more potent version of the "What's that behind you?" move. Because yeah, um, he doesn't say anything about like his daughter actually being out there. He's saying there is another person behind you is what this is like and that person's gonna go run and kill his he's, daughter he's my buddy and he's gonna go gank your kid for me and that makes the cop look over his shoulder which is all the distraction k needs to bolt into the woods <laughs> but uh running through the woods in the dark is a bad idea and he immediately trips and falls <laughs> they do not have night vision we know this now they're exactly identical to human beings other than the fact <laughs> they can't die and maybe some weird voice thing and can see ghosts we'll get to it <laughs> what well, kind of but not really <laughs> it's actually just humans can't see the ghosts because we're not involved enough well, they're I there have, i have a lot of thoughts about the black ghosts <laughs> oh boy oh boy thankfully for k kaito shows up and uh, drop kicks the cop and they flee into the night as he does romantic he kind of naruto runs out of there too because he's just like <laughs> He also says, don't use our names in front of him and just bolts. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, Kaito, Kaito's been up to something. He knows not to address yourselves in front of the cops. Which There's makes no sense thing. later on. <laughs> Kaito's a good friend, but he also is the friend who knows shit. But yeah, uh, they, uh, they hop on a motorcycle and then start their um, bromance turned romance, like motorcycle ride across uh, the prefecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you do. Kaito, very confident that the uh, police have not been able to fully mobilize yet, so they should be able to escape over the border. Anyway, we got the men in black now. <laughs> God, these... <laughs> this entire... I, I love the government task force in this as, like, a collective character, because we've got the men in black, the two, you know, quirky weirdos, and then we've got the like beat cops who are a part of this this uh, strange task force investigation who don't really know what's going on, I... but they're they are trying their damnedest to keep up with the situation, and it and it makes for a lot of really fun uh, character interaction. One thing mm -hmm. I really like about the government task force here is they are portrayed not that they're like an over. They don't act as if they have authority over the local police. They are mm. strictly in there in an advisory capacity. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. There is respect for jurisdiction. It's it's more so they have shadow power that they're not outwardly like display because we find out later they could definitely tell the cops what to do. They're choosing not to because that's how an actual shadow organization functions. You don't just men in black like, OK, we're mobilizing all the police. Mm hmm. It feels like a very, uh, it, it's got a high degree of verisimilitude to it. It's a very true to life power dynamic. And we have my favorite weirdo in this entire manga, your boy Tosaki. Not Tosaki. Not Tosaki. Not Tosaki. Tosaki. You enunciate that S. He's here from the, the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare, and uh, he's here to capture Kay. 
uh, through non-lethal means, and boy, does he love his breath mints. <laughs> yes, I was so confused because I didn't know those were breath mints initially. They're definitely drugs. <laughs> They're definitely <laughs> Oh, I, I could see them being breath mints because his entire character, like when people are talking about him, he's like the youngest head of a like government organization. And he's like on the fast track to be a politician. And I think that's his entire character is like being overly concerned with public perception of him. Because mm. every right. time he's on, he's constantly complaining about like, oh, don't give me like a <laughs> job that's just going to look bad at me. He's like, I need to succeed all the time because I want to be prime minister. Oh, I win i need you are absolutely right but drugs is funnier it is drugs is funnier i'm just saying i see like white pills and like a whole shit i'm like is he just jay i I hate to tell you this it's a manga all pills are white pills (laughs) but he's just pouring handfuls of them into his palm and shoving them in his face it's great the the better one is he's doing he shoves a handful into his face and then offers the police officer next to him mints (laughs) it's plural not do you want a mint it's like everyone eats handfuls of mints i mean i do Uh, yeah i feel like you would get along with this man then or possibly not oh oh god you're probably right and i hate that (laughs) oh no Uh, but Jacob, or you're relating to another character that that doesn't typically go well no no it really doesn't (laughs) Uh, thankfully, we have uh, some great examples of why you should not trust the government in this, mm-hmm. because uh, next chapter opens up with more examples of how they are just doing hideous things to number two. Yeah, we, we find out what the testing the scientists are doing on these immortal people, which is basically just, hey, can we torture them a lot? Do, do they have like a healing mm-hmm. factor? No, their body just resets when they die. What's the point of all the torture we're doing? Why not? They, li- they literally are just it, doing this because they want to find out like if they have an upper limit. It, it seems it, to be. It feels an awful lot like the um, you know, like the horror stories of uh of well, Japanese war crimes from World War uh 2. <laughs> human experimentation for no uh, good reason. Oh, yeah, like the the Nazi studies on whether twins mm-hmm. can feel pain like that stuff of each other yeah 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 it it's very reminiscent of that because you know we opened up the manga with number two getting shot between the eyes uh that at least makes sense because that's a method of killing someone like if you're just testing mm -hmm. what methods of like execution work or like Mm -hmm. that makes sense like if you were actually trying to like just reset them over and over again you could just shoot them in the head uh, repeatedly you you know what actually i think what the the actual justification probably is is what parts of the body would they regenerate Mm. Mm. i i think that's actually what they're doing but because they're being portrayed as villains like they are villains i want to correct how that was phrased but the the tone of how they're being set is like horrible unthinking Mm. monsters when really they're just incredibly cruel scientists yeah and in all honesty, I think I think the comparison to the World War II fascist scientists is it kind of explains some of the things I was curious about and we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that they're doing to number two in uh, the opening page of chapter two is, um, you know, those YouTube videos where things get put in a hydraulic press. It's that. It's we get that. to see if a human can be hydraulically pressed. But does it the press? The answer is yes. But does it blend? 
Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> and, and as terrible to witness as this is, it does gain. And and that's the thing where you're right, Matt. In that they aren't. They're being portrayed as unthinking monsters, but they're a they are amoral scientists. This does actually get a piece of information that becomes crucial later, which is that the demi-humans, they have a core that they revive around. We don't know where this core is, and it's not treated like, you know, like the the kaiju core in Kaiju number eight or something, where if you destroy it, you've killed the immortal. It, it seems to be some sort of intangible center point of their being that they rebuild themselves around that mortal science has not figured out a way to touch yet. I'm like, I, there is one thing I do want to say is that um, the manga is very aware of, like, the point of view it's currently telling a story from and mm -hmm. definitely does flavor things like that is entirely intentional when it is showing a story from different points of view. They are flavored in different ways. Mm. So currently it's portraying these experiments as like horribly unthinking. But then, God forbid, you want to somehow humanize the scientists later on. Uh, like, yeah it the manga is effective in that regard i think uh we'll, we'll get to it mm -hmm. right now our boy nagai is on the run and I, I do like the kind of dual storytelling happening here because you know we get the instances of number two being torturously killed uh and then we go back to uh case story very uh, 90s movie with like the kids on the run and the government trying to like the cop chasing them down. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love I love uh, Kai just being Kai. 47. They're not even rare. <laughs> Kai is the is the man that you need in your corner. He is just there. You really do. Me. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I think in a statistical sense, you're probably right, but <laughs> I, I guess. Yes, technically. You could fill a room of them, and then you could blend into a crowd, I suppose. I don't yeah. think it's meant for you to think this much about it. He's just trying to cheer you up, man. Mm -hmm. And we also have uh, the we also have Kay swiftly answering the Dragon Ball uh, question, which is, sure, you're not dead, but holy crap, dying sucks. Yeah, he still feels every bit of it. Mm -hmm. He has the very reasonable animal reaction uh to avoid pain because getting run over by the truck holy fuck that hurt yeah imagine this hey pain hurts i like to avoid that if i can so uh the boys are on the run and then they get intercepted by i don't know where these guys came out we, of the we pile we pile on some human depravity for reasons yeah well, yeah. to be to be clear, they pull off like to, you know. Take a piss is really take a piss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, they pissed right next to the truck where two criminals were kidnapping and probably other planning to do other things to this woman. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like a girl. I was like even more disgusted because I'm just like, those girls yeah, are she seems pretty young. <laughs> she seems disturbingly young. I'm, yes. I'm, yeah, I'm using woman charitably. Uh, they don't say exactly how old she is, but I, really <laughs> just she looks the same age as Kay. It's almost like they this incident kind of saved her in a way. We don't get any follow up by this. But yes, they were up to nefarious dealings before they found 
oh, that looks like that demi human mm-hmm. that everyone's looking for. I could get a lot of money for them. One million dollars. We, we have a very weirdly... It, it, it's effective from a storytelling perspective. It, it's got a kind of cruel cynicism to it because at one point our POV character becomes the half-dressed, uncomfortably young girl uh, who is, you know, putting herself back together, uh, looking over her shoulder at the kid, at the, you know capturing of k in progress scene going going like holy crap i guess i can get away thanks to him (laughs) it's like okay this is given given she looked the same age as the other characters i kind of expected her to be one Mm -hmm. we have epic fight scene as kaito tries to save k uh k is strangled to death by one of the uh erswell kidnappers because they are uh scumbag opportunists they are not professionals uh as k dies the black ghost uh manifests once again during his revivification and he does the scream again paralyzing everybody but notably less paralyzing kai <laughs> mhm mhm in that convenient put yeah. a pen in it but also don't put too much of a pen in it Mm-hmm. I, I i don't know we don't know yet is really what's going yeah. on there that that's the, that is the important qualification we don't know so i'm putting a pin in it for my crackpot theory that i will that we'll get to but uh this is also interspersed with the scene of the uh police and the government task force interviewing Kay's mom and her just being the worst like i we've read a lot of things to characterize her as the worst is she's distant is really her thing and i treating your own son because of one strange incident as less than human it's less than human how disgusting this thing was in my family please capture it uh, <laughs> it, to be I... fair, that's what she's telling the government which is yeah. very yeah. different than yeah, yeah, especially the fact that she knows she has a young daughter at home. It's just kind of like, do you really want to antagonize be... these people? Yeah, she's not in a good situation, but she's not a good person. I guess I guess I can withhold judgment on that front for a bit, but right now it is super not a good the look. worst relative to this story and eh, well we do have those two guys so eh. remind me when we get to the discussion about my thoughts about um k's mom because I, I i think it's a little more nuanced than yeah i have theories about k's mom yeah i'm not disagreeing she, with you she but does like... in fact got it going on <laughs> god no god I'm not disagreeing with you but i i, I am not sure char- i'm not charitable towards her that's all i'll say with the boys once again on the run, having escaped the uh oh, we we do have uh we get a car chase. <laughs> we yeah. have a car chase with the uh amateur kidnappers coming after them. The car uh, chase and the motorcycle chase. Car chase first. Okay. Yep. The the boys flee over the train tracks with their agile motorcycle, uh able to swiftly escape. The kidnappers crash through the first set of barricades on the train tracks. And then just kind of stop on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. And this and is the- interspersed with like scenes of the like task force talking just casually about like, yeah, no, as long as he's just a normal demi-human, nothing should be wrong unless mm-hmm. he is 
a variant. And then we cut back to the guy stopped on the train track and he's like, why are we stopped? What's going on? But buddy, my body can't move. And then we like frame out to the entire car. And there's like, like one of those black, like skeleton ghost holding his head down. Like, mm -hmm. and in this moment, is it clear if whether or not that he can see this or is this just for the reader? I, I don't think they can see it. Okay. I think it's just for the reader. Okay. Cause there does the initial where he says, I won't, I can't move. It won't move. Like there's, you don't see anything. And then shock. Mm -hmm. And they're hit by a train because they were on the tracks. I gotta say, really love the panels of like the car getting hit by the train. Looks really good. Mm. Yeah. The, the art, a lot of the glamour is... art in this is great. Yeah. Cause like, one of the fun things during the uh, the task force uh, scenes interspersed in all this is well, we've talked a lot about ya boy Tosaki, but we haven't mentioned yet his secretary. She's interesting. She is interesting. Uh, Izumi, she just kind of follows him along like a shadow for a, for the most part. Doesn't seem to really be doing much. But uh, every time uh, Tosaki says something thematically relevant or uh, relevant we get a close-up of her face well she yeah. has a very interesting face of all the other because all the other like women in this i don't know if it's intentional kind of look a certain way that's i don't want to say it's like not the, attractive there she, there are more mo there are fewer prominent female characters than male characters i think yeah but i i mean specifically izumi's face is memorable because mm, it looks almost true. like doll-like and like yeah, so yeah. She, oh you know you're right she has very detailed eyes that very rarely show emotion so i think mm -hmm. doll like is perfect to de describe them like they have eyelashes that go out like deeply decorated and like big reflective pupils that just show no emotion mm -hmm. deep and dark like a doll's eyes i i just love the zoom in on her face as tosaki says we aren't human when we're on the job, we're government officials. You need to let go of your sentiment. <laughs> it's like, okay, government buddy. Government officials aren't human. <laughs> okay, buddy. I understand you were going for a metaphor there, but... Um, yes, that the, was on purpose. The thematic metaphors. Anyway, homeboys get hit by train. Uh, main character boys flee into the night. Yep. Their love to flourish. If only. Perhaps. I really like I really like this like um what these like converging plot points because mm -hmm. as the guys are fleeing the government we have um number two continuing to get you know torturously murdered in the name of science mm -hmm. and his uh the like security footage being watched by this mysterious individual proclaiming the evils of uh this experimentation we need oh, to teach those humans another thought that popped in my head when i was reading this was the fact that we see number two how they're wrapped up and the fact that they did not obscure you know the ears and the nose specifically the nose i was like curious about but then i'm like well duh they don't want him to suffocate that's not fun um but like i want him to suffocate yeah, <laughs> yeah but they already did that one but I guess it's also like the ears because they just want like there to be some sense. I don't know. It, yeah. It's just very, very, very morbid and concerning. 
they they very expressly cover the eyes and mouth to like un unperson him and maybe this is just me but one of the things that i noted is that the big like numbering on the face the zeros have dots in the middle of them and it made and because of the like sort of mummy aesthetic of the way that he's restrained it made me think of a uh, soul eater <laughs> oh the okay yeah yeah like the i forget his name but the big bad from soul eater was kind of wrapped up in the same way with the like zero dot eyes yeah, uh, it kind of reminded me of um, the, I don't remember the name, but the dude from, if any of you have seen it before, 21st Century Boys. Nope. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's, he's got like the whole head wrapped in cloth kind of deal too. But uh, it's, a, it's a powerful uh, visual effect. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as the, this uh, convergent storyline of the guy uh, saying that we need to teach those humans a lesson, uh, we have... Our two boys fleeing, the sun is rising. Uh, they pass another motorbike on the mountain trail, and uh, <laughs> we uh, we get an Akira panel. We do get a whole ass Akira panel of this other motorcyclist stopping to turn around and begin the pursuit because he recognized Kay and he is going to bring in that guy for the cash prize. Shocking amount of very violent opportunists on the Japanese highways, I guess. <laughs> I know, right? It's really weird. Well, I mean, yeah, you're basically like, hey, there is this 13 year old kid that if you capture the bounty for him is a million dollars plus. Like, I, I think what that kid in class is kind of implying is that um, the like cash prize is kind of like an urban legend. Mm. Yeah. So uh, also. Mild spoilers, but um, might also be the cash prize might be a plant by the CIA. Like, <laughs> probably we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. We haven't even really got that deep in this onion so far. Yeah, uh, but as the dramatics of the highway chase begin, uh, we have the the task force. Uh, Tosaki and Izume are going to do their next part of the mission and they glance into the crowd and see him hat the most menacing code name of all this this guy you know he, he's pretty easy to recognize as the guy who is watching the security footage of number two because of you know like the suspenders and the hat even if you don't see his face he is so unassuming that but i mean look at him you can see those suspenders and that cool yeah. collected Brock face. Something's <laughs> up. He he do got the Brock eyes. There's just something about him that gives this aura of calm in this. And the manga has given has put so much effort on making you feel constantly tense because it's this like police chase where you're seeing both the perspective of the pursuer and the escapee. So seeing this guy who is just perfectly casually relaxed feels out of place he mm -hmm. feels immediately dangerous and you well, get he's a... prepared for rain because he can use his frying pan as a drying pan yeah <laughs> and you get a greater emphasis on that when izumi immediately freaks out at the sight of him <laughs> like in like, the same I... way you'd freak out seeing a bear like okay mm -hmm. well don't uh don't acknowledge that we're looking at this right now maybe it'll go away and <laughs> we're, we're just going to i mean tosaki freaks out too he drops his mints yeah. <laughs> oh no, not the mints. <laughs> not the mints. 
he disguises it, trying to act cool by texting uh, the higher ups, saying that hat was sighted near K Nagai's house. Yes, this is significant. <laughs> My With- God. The greatest disguise ever. Wearing a hat. (laughs) I mean, it is a very distinctive hat because, yes, there are like baseball caps, but this guy specifically has that type of hat, which I don't remember at this time. He looks like he came out of the 1940s. He's got a newsboy cap. Mm -hmm. But he's not a newsboy. I do love the fact that of the 47 Ajin, only one of them wears a hat. Yeah, that's that's really marking your territory. Yeah. Uh, while they are freaking out about the presence of hat, the bike chase continues. The uh, opportunist kicks them off the side of the road to send them tumbling down into a valley. Uh, he pulls out a knife and is going down to finish off Kay. And it looks like Kaito is freaking dead because he yeah. is limp in the river. Face down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to worse is K is finding it difficult to move. He thinks he's broken some things. He definitely Mm -hmm. has broken a leg. Yes. And it turns out that uh, immortality is great and all, but uh, if you don't actually die, you don't repair any damage. You got to commit to the bit. Which I I really love the way the manga kind of drip feeds you the rules on how the Aijin work. Mm -hmm. uh, This is a great instance of that like we've had hints through like the voice and the black ghosts appearing and whatnot this is the first major instance of okay so they're not immune to all damage they they can be harmed and it can be lasting so long as they remain alive this time i see sam i agree with you 100 percent. it was confusing i feel like we needed a white text box that explained everything to us in kind of a condescending fashion matt we're not reading demon slayer we definitely didn't <laughs> but uh we have a bit that i'm a little confused about because it looks like k has a kind of crisis of faith he's yeah like in like in the moment this makes sense because he's he feels guilty about how the uh about how kai appears to be entirely dead Mm -hmm. uh and if he had gotten him involved in this he wouldn't have died which i I can see how it does gel with revelations later, but it feels a little out of place now. I don't know. So. <laughs> well, his revolution that the revelation that he feels guilty or his revelation of because well, I sure. Yeah. It, spoilers for something that comes up later, but it's revealed that Kay is. I think the right term is sociopath. He doesn't feel empathetic emotions towards other people yes he actively asks he's just like i've just been masking this entire time how how does Mm -hmm. this work i know something is lacking how does this work so i I, with that in mind i i I don't know maybe i maybe i'm thinking too hard about it 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 feels like a very uh powerful guilt reaction when it's revealed later that he doesn't i i don't know the point- well, I think it's also because of the fact that this is a friend of his who so openly, without question, was there to help him. And he's like, mm. but why? It doesn't make sense to him. Yeah, I, I think this has a lot more to do with Kay being a shit kid as opposed to him being mentally ill. Yeah, because his, his main concern here is just like, I got him killed. Mm. And like, 
it, it's yeah it's a very like, nuanced feeling too it's not like true true it isn't it isn't so much that he feels bad on kaito's behalf it's that he feels bad about his involvement in it maybe well i don't I, even I, think it's i don't even think it's unreasonable that he would feel actual guilt because i don't think he's incapable of feeling guilt i think he's just a shit kid who hasn't before mm, gotcha and that this is a wake-up call for him because we'll get some flashbacks to the way he behaved previously mm-hmm. and you know i mean like you want to talk about neurodivergence on fictional characters that aren't technically completely 100 percent human especially in a series that questions the humanity of something that's not technically a homo sapien you're gonna start getting into a bit of a rabbit hole but i think long story (laughs) short i think long story short it really has more to do with the idea of uh k being a kid and that he's performed emotions in the past he's not incapable of them he's just having a wake-up call of oh Oh, my actions have consequences. Oh, well, no. Also, this is a lot easier to talk about when it happens, because then we can cite the examples of what's happening currently. Right, right now, we're, we're kind of talking around spoilers at this point. So, right. So to get to get back to the to the uh, present moment, what happens is that uh, Kay is kind of gearing himself up, sinking himself up to, like, make some sort of uh, battle attempt at the uh, at the opportunist he's about to summon his stand you Mm -hmm. think i'm kidding (laughs) his stand grateful dead wait that's actually a stand damn it (laughs) uh but fortunately kaito is not dead he has uh picked up a rock and smashes it through the helmet (laughs) faceplate of the guy that uh knocked him off the road like he's just going through an internal monologue about like if well, hold on. Maybe I could kill him, but then I I don't want Kaito to have done. Kai all this, so just hold on, goes for the kill, and, <laughs> and then, I'm just and then like, Kai, yeah, Kai's just like, oh wait, murder was on the table. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kai throughout this is like MVP, most interesting character. He really is. <laughs> I was just pretending to be dead while I found a sharp rock in the river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was merely playing dead. <laughs> Merely pretending. I'm like Kai's backstory. <laughs> Me too. This kid is nuts. <laughs> you know, for a moment, I thought for sure that he was going to be revealed to be a demi-human as well. But like, his injuries were very survivable. And he displays damage afterwards in a way that demi-humans don't when they come back from death. And see, here's the thing. He displays blood on his face. The wound is mm. under his hair. There, there is a there is a 50 50 shot that he either was a demi human and is simply hiding it or he just got lucky. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been revealed yet. And yeah. like, yeah, and like that, that's part of the intrigue that the manga is setting up too. it. It keeps dropping these little like hints about like, hey, what's going on? Like it's drip feeding you the lore on what the Ajin even are because it's just like, hey, cool, creating an air of mystery. Yeah, but uh Kaito is uh, very convinced that Kay is human, and he's like, I'm going to continue to stay by your side, uh, even if it's risky for me. Kay as long like, as I'm with you, you're human. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Let me just cut my throat so I can heal this broken leg and we can move on then. Yep. <laughs> I, this I, kind of is where I, I think that theory of him being his own demi-human kind of falls apart. But it's even Kai is just like, what the <laughs> fuck am I watching? <laughs> yeah, there, there is sad scene. about his friend hurting himself is what that is kind of it, it's a 
it's a very powerful look. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, especially because, yeah. um, Kay doesn't know what that look's supposed to mean, too, because he has this internal, like, wait, what did he mean by that? Mm hmm. Because he, it's not like I know he, like, is disgusted by me or, like, it's, it's vague even in universe to Kay. Yeah. Yeah. Is he concerned? Is he disgusted? Is he reciprocating my resolve? I, I don't know. Does he want to reach his hand into my throat hole? <laughs> God damn it. No, <laughs> we're not doing the chest hole again. I mean, they do still have that knife. <laughs> God. Please no! I wasn't even on that episode. Jay, you should have read the summer Hikaru died. Get in the comments if you think Jay would have liked the summer Hikaru died. I don't get in the comments. I agree with that take. <laughs> Listening on YouTube, post in the comments right now that Jay should have read the summer Hikaru died. You won't shame me. I cannot be shamed. I'm shameless. That's why you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway as as the boys with their brand with their new and uncomfortable dynamic continue on their path we find uh at uh, with a new companion reading the newspaper who is revealed to be tanaka aka number two broken out of the torture facility and they are planning to show kai the path ominous is, uh, is this also where we establish their plan is to go hang out with um, uh, Kai's grandfather? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a uh, like chapter beginning flashback to um, Hat breaking to knock out, but they're then in the little hideaway. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I love how unsubtle the imagery is here because uh, Kay is like in the middle of questioning his humanity. The mirror is broken so that when he looks into it, it doesn't show his face <laughs> like, OK, and he's even examining the throat, his throat that he had cut earlier. He's also authors like, who use subtlety and they're all cowards. It's like, hmm, it is weird that I see that weird black ghost standing in the corner of this cabin we've stolen. Mm hmm. Hey, uh, Kai, can you see that? See what, buddy? Oh, never mind. Anyway. Well, let's let's take turns taking one hour naps and not abandoning each other. You go <laughs> first. Yeah, we're definitely doing shifts on watch right now. This is like the equivalent of trust falls fail. <laughs> this was a trust fall immediately fail. Like, I just love that their idea is take one hour naps. Mm hmm. That's that's not how taking watches works. But OK, boys. <laughs> That's not enough time to get any amount of restful sleep, and that's also implying you can't trust your friend enough to, like... I, I bet you, like, after two or three times, you wake up even more tired than if you just stayed up that entire time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what, um, what Kay has uh, basically decided is that uh, after that whole thing, he's just like, I can't have my friend keep risking his life for me. I'm not even human. I don't have a life to risk. Which really cool line i actually like that like because he he feels like there's an inherent power imbalance between the two of them that isn't really conducive to a friendship mm. is what he tells himself because <laughs> also a fun part He's about dealing Kay, with some stuff right now k immediately feels better the second he steals kai's phone and like just <laughs> he gives the boy like five minutes to fall asleep grabs his phone out of his pocket then just walks into the woods and immediately starts going like, well, 
I guess I'm a demon now. I wonder if there are other demons. I bet, <laughs> I bet online there's entire forums of demons. They have forums about people who want to kill themselves, so they must have forums for demons. But all of this thinking is too high level to just like feel like he came up with this out of the blue. He's he's really getting down to the nitty gritty of like, well, guess this is going to be the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Got to get some off the grill forums on Reddit. That's my oh. life now, guys. And um, the uh, the thing that happens is the second he's within cell phone range, Kay's phone rings and it's his little sister because we skimmed over the subplot that was happening where his little sister, who, as we found out earlier, has like an incredibly rare illness and is constantly in the hospital because, of course, um, is being investigated by the cops because they're like, hey, we interviewed the mom. Now we're going to interview her. She's like, hey, anything weird about uh, the, the secretary is interviewing her and basically goes, hey, has your brother ever done anything weird? Well, there was one time when we had a dog die and then he said there was a ghost, a black ghost. I didn't I, I didn't say that. That's a weird thing of you to just suddenly shove into my mouth. I'm sorry. It just slipped out. I, I don't normally do this, but the, the it just slipped out panel was um, was the I cropped it because I'm like, that's a really weird facial expression and really weird dialogue. Has this person ever done poor? <laughs> Turns out, yes. Yes, he has. Should Fred says yes. Beautiful. But, um, but uh, turns out she is then gored by a demon hand. This is a, a great scene. Yeah, because a ghost just like rips her open and like throws her up and down. And she's like, hold on, stay calm. And the sister is just like, I have no idea what's going on because it looks like you're being thrown around. Yeah, like she vomits blood and everything and keep in mind they cannot see these ghosts they're just floating stay calm and like oh the the thing about this is the second that happens is right before the sister was going to reveal some information about oh he did have a friend who might help him out and the second she's about to say that is when she's attacked and i'm like oh that was on purpose because as we find out, um, the ghost is being controlled by test subject number two, who's sitting on a park bench, covering his eyes with his hands. And then we get this like weird training montage where um, Hat basically tells him, hey, do you know how in a video game you could have 100 lives? It's kind of like that. You ever control a video game character? It's kind of like that. What? And it turns out those ghosts are controllable by people with variant powers in like if they aren't looking through their eyes, they can see through the other thing's eyes. They don't really go into that because everyone who's done it doesn't seem to be very good at it. Yeah, it's weird, especially because like the way that uh, Tanaka is doing it is he's like he's really pressing his heels into his eyes. Like, you know, when you push on your eyes enough that you see stars. The other thing I can't help but notice is that every single one of the uh, demi-humans that we've seen so far seems to be a variant. I wonder how variant variants are. Mm, yeah. Because we know that the force is lying to the cops about a bunch of stuff. Amongst other things. Like <laughs> The cops get uh, DO'd. <laughs> they, mm -hmm. they, they get freaking annihilated. And they're like, oh, well, I guess the other 
Ajin are going to steal his sister when, um, no, the cop girl <laughs> comes up because the secretary was not just a secretary. We aren't humans because she is also a variant Ajin. Mm-hmm. I kind of expected that to be a reveal at some point. They Yeah. 100%. Yeah, they physically othered her in panels as much as they could. Especially yeah. because she's treated like a secretary, but the way he talks to her is not like how you'd talk to a secretary. It's yeah. like how you'd talk to a dog. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we literally just get a stand battle. It's really cool. <laughs> it's, it's and it is literally just a stand battle. Like there, there's no two ways around it. I love it. It, it is really cool. It's also yeah. two two Ajin who don't have like a firm grasp on their powers. They know enough about what this thing is, but they've never actually been in like serious combat before. Yeah. And both of them are figuring out th like when they punch each other, their fists dissolve upon contact. Well, yeah. it's kind of it, like when would they have the opportunity to like try this out? No, ex exactly. Like, mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so cool. It's, uh, the characters learning things as the readers do so you're in exactly the same place as tanaka and izumi as their stands are punching you well first they claw each other and then they just regenerate like you know an ijin would when they die uh and then uh with a crushing blow of a punch it doesn't regenerate so punch, when the head is struck mm-hmm well, no, uh, any crushing blow doesn't regenerate. So punch and aim for the head, because if you destroy a part of the head, suddenly the person remote controlling the stand can't see through the eye anymore. Yeah. So we, we get a really cool fight. Mm -hmm. But be careful, because doing a pulverizing blow also pulverizes your hand. So you better make sure that strike counts. And it is it is such a cool fight. And it looks like Izumi, you know, pretty unequivocally wins because she destroys um, Tanaka's Black Ghost. But then once she's out of the the fight, she looks and notices, oh, uh, Aerie's been stolen. <laughs> the little sister. <laughs> yeah, the little sister has been stolen. And I love how we just get one panel of Hat's smug face <laughs> grinning as <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> an explanation for what happened. That 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 is economical use of your panels. So that all happened in the background, which leads us back to where we were before the phone call coming in from Kai's phone about we have your sister. Mm -hmm. And this is where we just get Kay going like, I am going to murder all of them. <laughs> oh, yes, because yeah. he is trying really hard to come up with a way that he can operate on his own. Uh, he's like, I've watched. Kaid, uh, I've watched Kaido operate the bike enough that I could probably do it, but I'm not certain about that. It, even if I crash, I won't die, but I could wreck the bike. And then if I don't have supplies, I'll probably just die from dehydration. Actually, if I die from dehydration or other forms of attrition like that, where do I get the water and sodium and vitamins from? Never mind, not thinking about that. Because the whole point is to not die repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, please think about that. I'm very curious. <laughs> Which is when we get the montage of him crashing the bike and yep. walking along, grabbing some clothes from a gutter. I love how the clothes don't fit him, too. That's a good, like, attention to detail there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, he's about to die of dehydration on the walk because he's meeting up at a shrine. 
mm-hmm. with Hat and Tanaka. Which actually Tanaka is a surprise because they're like, oh, wait, hold on. That's that's the number two Ajin of they Japan. Got, oh, and now he's with teamed up with the bad guys. He's teamed up with guys. guys. <laughs> he's teamed up with the hat. Fear the hat. I, I, I have I, I'm not going to assign labels in this manga. I'm very confused at this point. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me, I, I'm confused, but I'm having a great time. I also really like uh, uh, the shirt that uh, that uh, Kay chooses. <laughs> I, I love how he just found that random shirt in the gutter and it happened to exactly describe his situation to be human. And what are you alive? <laughs> Thematically relevant graphic tees are my favorite part of manga. (laughs) I love them so much. Yeah. Because they're always such English weirdness and it's great. Gorgeous. Uh, But uh, it turns out that upon meeting them, um, he goes like, where's my sister? Because we're setting up like a revenge plot. And they go, oh, yeah, no, we let her go. Uh, She's in an ambulance right now. I was just to get you to come. We're really sorry. We took the bait like a sucker. Yeah, no, 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 we're no, we're really sorry. Don't uh, look. We we just needed to get a meeting with you. We didn't mean to be so crude about it. I got to say, my motto is be more human than the humans, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we're meeting at this shrine, because, you know, the shrine keeper is an old man. He's not around all the time. It's very convenient, nice and out of the way. We're not going to run into anybody. We can have our conversation. In fact, to show you that we are uh, human, Tanaka is going to stab me with a kitchen knife so that I come back to life. And now you know what we are. We're all on the same page. We're all friends here. Immediately, my red flag started going up here. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, when I read this, I was at the point to believe they were actually just genuinely good people, because I'm like, you know what? That would be the twist at this point is like, he's just doing this thing to free all the Ajin. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a way to go, I guess. And that's the wild thing about it. That's like, Hat's my favorite character. Spoilers for the discussion later. He is very interesting. I feel like he genuinely has a heroic motivation to save the Ajin, but I that has been it's also couched in this i am a superior being thing i i gotta say i just do appreciate when we can read a setting and characters are allowed to have moral depth yeah (laughs) (laughs) true big true and and like hat is so masterfully manipulative like he's not lying he did take uh Kay's little sister to, you know, manipulate him into this meeting and did let her go. He did go to the shrine because it's out of the way. The shrine keeper, uh, he's not actually just an old man who has other things to do. He's dead. Because he's a pretzel. He's a pretzel. (laughs) And like the entire time this is happening, it's interspersed with Izumi and Tosaki having their debriefing in the van. And, uh, it it's more ju- uh, juxtaposition because you know Hat is being shown as very sympathetic. He's uh, trying to save the Ajin from this horrible fate that they've been dealt. You know who wants to be stuck in a lab getting tormented forever? That's no good. We want that to stop. Mm-hmm. And and you as the reader empathize with that. Of course, this is a heroic motivation. And then you cut to uh, Tosaki being like. Look, I suspected that 
Nagai would be a variant and would uh, portray powers like that. And we know those powers are very deadly. I was using the police's bait. I was hoping a bunch of police officers would get slaughtered. They would go in, they would die, and that would give us the justification we needed for greater force. Real moral gray there. Mm -hmm. And so he is obviously the heartless villain. And but then it, it flips back over to <laughs> Hat is also a heartless villain because we get pretzel of a shrine keeper. <laughs> yeah, and that's revealed after um, Tosaki basically goes, OK, I'm authorizing the use of tranquilizer rounds. Then we cut back to the meeting and lo and behold, a sniper shot goes almost hits Hat directly in the face. And he's just like, oh, no, there's a sniper and they've got tranquilizer rounds. If those hit you, you're going to go to sleep and then they can capture you. And then um, K gets hit like three times and he's just like, oh, no. And the second he's out, he's just like, kid, I knew you failed. The second you cared about your sister. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because who was the sniper? But the the stand of Tanaka in the trees with the gun. I love how he's he's complimented like, man, really good improv almost hitting me in the face. Like you're going like, like and he's just like, I don't know how to aim with this puppet thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just shrug it off and say all a part of the act, sir. It was great. Totally meant to do that. Sorry Thank if you. I suck. <laughs> and yeah, so what their actual plan is, is just like he doesn't hate humans yet. Well, we're going to give him over to the government and then he sure as hell will hate humans. Mm -hmm. And we cut to Tosaki just going like, so we found the kid. What? Yep. <laughs> and one of the things that I really like is Izumi has this entire character arc happening in the background. Because as Tosaki is very impassionately talking about how I was going to use the police's bait, she's given him this dead eyed stare. Uh... You know, because she's totally emotionless, too, right? Oh, but why does she have this, you know, main character clenching of the fist going on in one panel? It's almost like she's not about this, but something is holding her back from expressing that. Well, something. It's it's very obvious. It's said out loud later. It's pretty obvious it is said out loud later. But I, I think, uh, like, I say that Hat's my favorite character. Izumi is also very interesting. But yeah, uh, now... K has been handed over to the government. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we kind of get like the arc break almost of uh, our reading. So um, we're going to take a wee little break here and come mm -hmm. back to not the continuation of the story, actually, but a side story that's relevant to other things. And then back to the torture factory. Indeed. Yeah, give you a chance to uh, net yourself back together after all of this. And welcome back to the show, folks, where last we left our... There's not really any heroes in this. K got captured, and bad things are happening. I, I really find it illustrative that uh, one of the doctor, that one of the doctors in this uh, scientific torture chamber says that our orders are to inflict as much pain as possible, because that'll let us determine how many times he's died. 
Notably, the less reactive they are means that it's almost like they're becoming number and number to pain. And as that's hap- uh so that happens, and as it is, um, one of the things that I question about the powers of the IG, how is Tanaka speaking with him right now? <laughs> I thought this was like an illusion, like in his head. Uh. And I, 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 I don't know. Um, it did make sense to me when I was reading this, but it was just kind of like, are they telepathic? Is this another power they have? Hard to I mean, there's tell. probably some level of communication between the, um, uh, the ghosts. They're also keeping tabs on him, so it could be very well that his ghost is talking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's And they true. can't hear ghosts, so I, I don't know. It, the, there is enough vaguity about how this, like, powers work in this that it's fine like yeah that sounds like something they can do he could also just be remember remembering what he was told earlier or like so you think they had a conversation outside of what's happening right now and he's just recalling like what they did to tanaka yeah or like it could just be like Mm -hmm. an internal monologue or could it be actually there i don't think there's strong evidence to either side yeah the point is he is in a hellish torture scape Yes, which um, Mr. Hat and Tanaka have set up because they believe that he is a failure and that he is, quote, too smug for his own good and doesn't understand the situation at hand. So in a twisted sort of way, they brought him to this facility that they had escaped to essentially knock him down a couple of pegs. It's just kind of messed up. Yeah. Their entire mission uh, being to basically indoctrinate their fellow demi-humans in the most anti-human sentiment they can come up with, which is expose you to the absolute worst humanity can can provide. uh, That is to say, the amoral science of uh, human experimentation so that you feel an overwhelming desire to kill all of them. I've also read Altered Carbon. Oh, boy. I guess to some degree that this this does have a little bit of a more of a fantasy altered carbon vibe to it. It does have that sort of sci that uh, sci fi body horror nature to it because like the thing in altered carbon is that with the power of the digitization of the human mind, they can basically put you through a torture program. That's been they can they can torture you to death and still put you in a new body. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's well if they don't really die. Do whatever you want. And uh, it is at this point that we get an entire chapter dedicated to the one empathetic being in this entire fucking manga. Yeah, I, I know I'm being hyperbolic. There are almost certainly there. There are not almost certainly there are definitely more nuanced reasons for people to do what they're doing throughout this. But uh well, the thing about this, this is actually what I was referring to earlier when I'm like, boy, it really seems weird how dehumanized they are immediately when, you know, literally all the forums for uh, demi-human, you know, rights and, and whatnot are all actually government plants. That's kind of weird that literally nobody has any idea of protecting them. But one thing that was mentioned over the course of this was... um the idea of science done by the fascists in World War II. And a lot of people in those environments, like there really wasn't anything that they 
I mean, you know, it's one of those ones is like, how much could you do in, the, in a situation like that? And people turned a blind eye to something that they knew was wrong and just kind of accepted the line. Mm. And there is a, in that context, it does kind of feel like there's a lot of keep your head down energy because that actually also kind of um, explains why so many people are so willing to immediately go to manslaughter for uh, capturing the guy because, you know, the government will sweep any other crimes I do under the rug if I get what they want. Mm -hmm. If Ajin is going for something like that, considering Japan's um, <clears throat> history with fascism, that would be pretty bold, and I'd respect it a lot for it. Yeah, same. The The parallels, if you're familiar with uh, stories from that time, are hard to miss. <laughs> and I know that there is a uh, concerted effort to kind of dodge around that. And uh, this particular uh, chapter where... KSK Nakajima, yeah. which another K. Now yeah, that's a time you can be upset that there are two Ks. Yeah. There are that two didn't Ks. need to be a K. <laughs> Keisuke Nakajima. He is the most empathetic boy. He is the only one seemingly of the entirety of Nagai's class that is like, hey, you remember that part about how Aijin are entirely human except for the don't die part? That probably means that they feel pain, right? Right, guys, guys, Bueller. Should, and, should we maybe should we maybe not treat them like physical object, like unalive objects? Because you know, now you're a weirdo. Yeah. Even even his girlfriend, which like the girlfriend, I had such an immediate visceral visceral hatred reaction, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, I I I get what her character is doing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay. It just I, I makes mean, it more understandable. To mm -hmm. be fair, like what is the the entire onus of his story is he gets wrapped up in a social cause. Yes. And mm -hmm. he's like I should fight for Ajin rights. Like I like I remember Kay being a cool guy who worked really hard because his sister had an illness and he wanted to help her. That he was a good person. The fact he's a demi-human doesn't make him less of a good person. So maybe all demi-humans have the capacity to be good people. They deserve rights. I should fight for that. There must be people online who are fighting for demi-human rights. And he signs up for like an email group and he goes out and he's doing all of this work to like, I know, I'll try and make a difference because I, I want to feel like I'm making some amount of difference. The unfortunate part is he basically just goes, school's not important. I'm going to give up on the entrance exams. I'm going to neglect my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like you only see a certain from a certain slant that obviously the author wants you to see. And you're like, no, he's literally dropped off the face of the map for like everyone else who expected him to show up. Well, more he than that, he you, commits you see mega it, hard to the cause. You you see it from his perspective, and my immediate hatred reaction is what you're supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. But then you see her reaction, like her voicing, not just being mad about it, not just breaking up with him, but her actually explaining why. And it's like, oh yes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the the cause is still good. There's still there there is virtue in what he is doing, but he he's also not blameless in the way that it's affecting his uh, relationships with other people. Yeah. And like the big takeaway from that is he's like, I didn't think about Kay at all on that walk home after I got broken up with. Mm -hmm. And then when he finally gets home, he's just like, I still haven't received a message back from that like Ajin uh, 
rights group I signed up for. No one's contacted me from the organization. And at some point in his walk, he'd been handed a missing po person's poster. And he just is looking at it going like, I didn't even acknowledge I was holding this missing person's poster. But like, this person and countless others need help too. And they don't come back to life when they die. Mm -hmm. Maybe all of this work I'm doing is misplaced. It, it is an interesting meditation on the concept of activism because who are it, the acceptable losses when you have limited resources? There you go. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> and like his limited resources. I'm just one person. What do I, I am? Do? I am one high schooler. Like he doesn't even have resources. He has time. Yeah. And and it's the catch 22 of I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, you're one person. If you join with other people, then you're part of a tidal wave. and. Yeah, but then we we get we cut over to the government. And this is the part where I was like, wait a minute. Really? It really freaked me out when he was signing up for this website because I'm like, dude, you know that has to be monitored. Especially when they like go back to me, he's like, Oh, I haven't heard a response. It's not just heard a monitored. It's not just monitored. The website was a plant by the government to find people who had Ajin sympathies. That's I, yeah. so dumb. It's a, it's I'm not suck up. I was the website a plant or they say they were monitoring a website that popped up and then they were like dis they were like discommunicating people was their whole thing i thought oh sure, maybe. Either way. Th th that's I'm why no one was getting responses because they were just blocking email communication between the people who have like gone to that group because what they're doing is inherent they're not just removing the site because that's obvious they're disconnecting the community from even forming which I, I agree, Jacob, that's an insane amount of resources the shadow government must have. But like that, whatever. that's more I, reasonable than. Yeah. Then like I've created a fake psyop like they're just they're allowing people to congregate and then get disenfranchised because, oh, it looks like no one's interested. Yeah. yeah. So literally using like the psychology of, oh, I guess this isn't, you know, a thing. Because you really don't need incredibly hard power because there's only 47 Ajin in the world. That's such an insanely small minority that like uh, it, it's worth noting. There's definitely more than 47. They're not telling 47 about. known. Yeah, but it's still it's still an insanely small number. Yes, it's important from the public perception. Oh, yeah. OK, true. Like someone trying to start an activist cause going like, oh, well, there's only 47 people affected by this. Also, the fact that they're immortal makes it really hard to sympathize with them for a lot of things. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, because it's kind of it, like, it oh, gives no, this perception. There's there's an unlimited amount of time to deal with the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what's that one Ursula K. Le Guin novel? The one about those uh, the one about the child that suffers every possible pain and indignity oh, for, uh, the, for the paradise. Oh, those that walked away. Hold on. I'll, I'll find the actual. Yeah, it's those that walked away from something. I forget the noun, but. <laughs> people if it's like if one death is a tragedy what what are a thousand deaths it's like if one person being subjected to infinite torture is a tragedy what's 47 yeah and like i think the that's actually a really good comparison sam because the entire like philosophical point of that novel is people realizing that like this sacrifice is doing so much good they realize it would be a net negative to stop it but they wish to no longer participate in it because they are like 
they can't be a part of it. Mm. They know that putting a stop to it would do infinitely more harm, so they're not going to do that. They're just removing themselves from the equation, which is what happens with his classmate. It's just like, I can't do anything. This really isn't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things, and I've already personally lost a lot going through with this. If I can, if I can morally and emotionally divorce myself from it, I can accept a shocking amount. Yeah, and like I, I really like this vignette with his friend because it really sets up like how the government has all of this power. Because mm-hmm. like you've got these people who were like in the beginning, you're like, oh, it's sure is sure is weird that all these people are so like gung ho on let's capture these people and get money for them, but then like it's just so easy to dehumanize them because like. There's the inherent jealousy of they're never going to die. So, so many things people mm-hmm. can suffer from are just not relevant to them. Yeah, yeah. Like you could be sick and then you're just like, well, you know, hey, this is only one lifetime that I have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it plays into the human tendency to think in extremes. It's like, well, did they die? If you're alive, that. It's it's sort of a perversion of optimism. It's like if you're alive, then your situation can get better because you're alive too. They're immortal, so the problems that they're dealing with can be solved later. You mm-hmm. have an unlimited amount of time to solve the issue. You kick the can down the road. Meanwhile, this five-year-old girl that's been missing needs to be found within three days. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, that's the thing with the scene is he looks at that missing persons poster and he's like, I didn't even care about this person. Why do I care about this other person? Because I know them. What a terrible thing to base my morality off of. And then like, that's just a normal philosophical question about like, why does a person I have a personal connection to matter more than another person? Mm-hmm. This is like, this is a person I personally know who's immortal. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And. It's this entire morass of philosophical and moral questioning. It's like, why does the person that you you personally know is better? I don't know. Maybe because the human mind can only keep a hundred names and faces straight at once. Everyone beyond that is just a blur. Yeah, but that's 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 faulty human wiring, Sam. That's not an issue Mm. of morality. That's just an arbit. That's arbitrary hardware restrictions. Like that's not. Exactly. And and it's it's a question that cannot possibly have a clean answer to it. And that's what makes it so captivating. Uh, so anyway, after this, we go back to K being tortured for seemingly no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. like this, though, because this scene where he's like being like maliciously tortured, we see behind like the black glass. There is a group of like business people and government officials going like, yeah, keep torturing him. Maybe he'll have that cool ghost thing come out and then we can prove they exist. It's looking right at you. Yeah, do it. Yeah, prove you have a ghost thing. Yeah. 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 They're like, well, if he's a variant, surely he must display his variant powers when we push him to the edge of sanity. Well, because what the, the shadow government is doing is they've told these surgeons to be as cruel as possible because it's for some test and these people were just following orders so they do like just Mm -hmm. straight up torture for no reason like they're not getting information fargo that whole thing but like there is no reason for this other than cruelty and they're just like well that's what the boss said to do 
it's that social experiment about uh, push the button, it will cause an electric shock to increase over time. You know, when do people stop hitting the button if an authority figure tells them to keep going? Yeah, the Milgram experiment. Thank mm -hmm. you for knowing the name of it. Well, you see, Jacob, some of us are intellectuals. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Hat is buying guns from criminals. I love this because Hat... It's so good. He buys guns from criminals with organs he's harvested from his own body. <laughs> That's so good because it's, again, a moment of the of the manga drip feeding you how the Aijin work with the logical extension of, okay, so you can regenerate. What does that mean? And we learn here that it means that individual organs can exist beyond you when you complete your regeneration. And you're not a starfish. You're not going to grow an entirely new being from a severed limb. Is this also when they establish what happens with severed limbs that are still like partially connected as they get like rematerialized into the body? They uh, they tease it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, they kind of over uh, the the prologue chapter. They really go into it. It's like things have to be a certain distance away to not rematerialize. But yeah, I forget where that happens. It was a bonus for one of the volumes. Uh, nine, I believe. And and it's more of an example of Hat just being incredibly cynical. Like, despite how friendly he looks, his constant smiling, his very casual outfit, you know, uh, Tanaka asks, is rescuing Kanagai worth the risk? Nah, I don't think so. Maybe. We'll just see. A, just a big smile on his face as he slams the trunk down on the on the military cash he's got. I got other things I want to pick up, but we'll see if that kid's had enough time in the oven. Like, mm -hmm. And we just get Hat and Tanaka strapped to the gills. I, I will say this uh, mangaka draws tactical gear really well. Yes, he's a gun otaku. I can sense it. This, this chapter is literally called Killtacular, like... Yes. This guy has played Halo an unhealthy amount, and frankly, I sympathize. This person goes to Airsoft. Like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Like Gomen Sensei. I, I'm with you. <laughs> we will finish the fight. <laughs> oh, can I point out one thing I really like about the the um Japanese uh organization of their Ajin? They've got the like morgue sellers for when they're not actively part like uh, experimenting on the Ajin they have mm -hmm. and it's marked number two number three and then they've got two empty ones and i'm like good on you japanese defense force really aiming for the skies there considering we're told they had to give up the first one they found to the jet to the u.s military they built <laughs> four holding cells instead of just building each holding cell as they need it they're like nah let's just build a bank of four right next to each other well you see <laughs> they had a deal <laughs> they only build them in sets of four. <laughs> yeah. That was the military contractor coming in, going like, that's how it I comes. They make things in sets of four. It's a metaphor or something. <laughs> yeah. I, also, that's the other thing is Aji and Ar No, it's not public knowledge that the ghosts have superpowers. So it's just like, yeah, no, they just go in a regular holding cell. It's fine. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. I also love how they're experimenting on them. And one of the surgeons goes like, hey, have those claw marks always been on the glass? Yeah. Over the microphone. <laughs> oh, for the microphone. 
The claw marks have always been on the glass. Continue working. Don't pay attention to it. Okay, sounds good. And I'm like, I'd be really concerned there are claw marks in your surgical room. Like, I mean, yeah. No, that's just how the glass comes, all scratched up. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing behind this magic curtain. Continue working. But uh, yeah, that, that is the big takeaway, is that the entire time Kay is being like horribly tortured, his um his ghost has not attacked anyone. It has manifested, it has swung, but it has not shed blood. Because that's and... not what his friend would want. Mm-hmm. And as Tanaka and Hat are going in to make their attack on a rainy day, a bad day for a revolution, but whatever, we're here. Uh, we've also got <laughs> my favorite character. I know I've said that three times so far, but my favorite character, Dr. Ogura showing up at the facility, the most based man in existence. You're what they call a, quote, idiot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. The top researcher on Ajin all the way from America. Oh, he's a Japanese guy. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a Japanese guy. He was transferred guy. to America. Yes, we find out later on that it was a potentially involuntary transfer. Um, they describe the U.S.-Japanese relationship over this research project as being cooperative or collaborative, and then we find out later that it was the U.S. kind of flexing its muscle, saying, no, you're working with us. I gotta say, you know how this was written by a gun otaku? The amount of jacking off he does to the (laughs) the Japanese Special Defense Force. I was gonna say the amount of shitting he does on the media. Same thing, like... (laughs) yeah. The media, the U.S. military sucks, and which also the U.S. military does suck at a lot of things. But like, not in the way that a gun otaku is concerned with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, but yeah, so we get <laughs> this dude's just flipping everybody off. He's he's like the main scientist in a 90s movie going like, you don't understand. Science isn't done in a pristine laboratory. It's done on the field. He really really does feel like the the off his off his rails guy that is the only one who really understands what's going on here. And he shows up in the middle of this terrorist attack. Like we have the video feed from the security office of the uh, security office going. We're under attack. We're, we're, we've been breached. There's gunfire. A, weird, a man wearing a hat has broken in. And then he gets shot in the head and hat appears. And it's like, obviously, we're reading a translation here. But I, I, I just know in my heart that if we were reading the original Japanese hat, throwing up the peace sign of the camera in this in that security office is going mushimash. <laughs> oh, man. I do love uh, Dr. Ogura in here has a great scene with one of the military guys because they're talking about Kay's ghost and they're just like, well, I don't see anything. Are you saying it's some kind of spiritual phenomenon? And he goes like, no, that's stupid. It's obviously just made of matter that allows light to pass through it at 100 percent efficiency. Nothing supernatural here, buddy. Right. What you you described was supernatural. Yes. Obviously, this guy is is a hat-tipping atheist who has tipped his hat so far he's gone up his own ass. But Are you saying the nature of the soul is real, sir? No, I, I said nothing like that. <laughs> but I'm saying that it is. Because there... Okay, the Black Ghosts 
our souls. We haven't got we haven't quite gotten to it yet, but we've got a prologue chapter of an incident with another Igene. Uh the first Igene that uh the first variant I think that showed up in Japan. Yeah, we've we've gotten that scene mentioned by name as the that character's name incident where basically the, Yeah, they, the Shinya Nakamura incident. They killed an Ajin and it went really bad because what happened was it, it basically just murdered everybody in a giant explosion of ghosts. Mm -hmm. So in case you're wondering why they don't just pop uh a guy in the head and then take his corpse somewhere, that's why. Well, more so because his corpse immediately comes back to life. <laughs> so there is also that. There's also that. It's why they don't just fill him so full of bullets and then capture him while he's reforming. Mm -hmm. But uh, during our point five chapter, the prologue, we get the Nakamura incident, which involves a guy who gets in a bad motorcycle crash. He wakes up after it, realizing, holy, <laughs> I'm in hygiene. I don't want to get captured. It's basically the entire plot we've had so far can uh, condensed into one. And his friend is there for him, but his friend gets shot by the government and killed because they're much more violent in these early days. They want to just cap. They want to capture the Ijin by any uh, for by any manner that they can. Yeah, the government agent is dressed like an Italian mobster. <laughs> He's, a really Yakuza. Do, He's a Yakuza. And yeah, actually, I think that I think the guy is a, a, a criminal who's going to sell mm -hmm. to the government, but. Mm -hmm. it's a little it's a little ambiguous there he does but, talk as if he has the authority of the mm -hmm. special defense force that's true too but as nakamura's friend dies a black ghost manifests saying shinya run repeating his last words and it's at that point that shinya freaks out because his friend is dead and a bunch of black ghosts manifest uh, at the sound of his scream and murder all of the government agents. There's a great moment of uh, the the last guy is like, this is such a great discovery. I'll get promoted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's some uh, that's some copium right there. <laughs> exactly. So this is where my idea that the the black ghosts and the demi-humans are a scientific manifestation of the soul comes from because yeah. we had yeah we had it pointed out earlier that the igen regenerate around a core and a core that is not specified it is a point of their body that they rebuild around and also these black ghosts manifest out of the igen when they die and not even necessarily when they die when there is death present because there is a black ghost that manifests at the dog's funeral. And when Nakamura's friend is shot, these black ghosts are invisible to humans in most circumstances, are visible to the hygiene. It seems that the hygiene have some sort of mutation. I'm not very I'm not really sure that makes it that they uh, can perceive light refracted off of the matter that composes the soul i'm still kind of spitballing here based on what we what we're given but the, the other the other the thing that's kind of important is the uh uh malnutrition is brought up as a thing that kills them mm -hmm. and uh and they yet, can recover from it where do the materials come from you can't just make potassium but they do somehow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's like 
are the black ghosts a byproduct of converting energy to matter? Are they the soul manifest? Are they? I don't know, but it's some sort of otherwise ineffable spiritual nature rendered into matter. And we don't get the answers in our rating, but I'm very interested. Yeah. It's definitely doing something with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I rambled a lot. Let's get back to the plot. (laughs) I was about to say, the one problem I had with your entire thing was the dog probably died before its funeral, but... (laughs) Well, there's the there's the emotion of death. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's closer to it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I like physical proof of the soul by mining the very Ethereum from the air itself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because it's the emotion of the kids burying the dog. And in the moment where we see a human witnessing a black ghost, it is being hunted. It is the malice that is present. I think this is also when we get told that um, Kay's ghost seems to have more agency than yeah. others. Yeah, seen. because uh, Hat breaks Kay out of the out of the ice box, basically. Oh, and it's such a good scene because he he basically hops up immediately. He's just like, "Oh, geez, thanks for the save, buddy." And then we just see Hat go. Well, shit, the kid failed. Well. Here, I'm here anyway. <laughs> Might as well finish. Yeah. He's not red in tooth and claw like I wanted. I mean, I know I understand his idea of like, I guess what is his objective to be success? I His his entire plan is not entirely materialized. I know he's trying murder to. Murder all humans. He, he is it murder all humans? He, he wants to radicalize another hygiene into anti-human sentiment. He he wants a soldier because he's planning to fight a war. But it's interesting. It's like, is his objective the annihilation of humanity or is it equality or is it well, what? Well, well, here's the thing, Jay. It's amazing. When you read narratives, sometimes they have conclusions. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> I, I mean, we don't know that like that. <laughs> that is left vague for revelations to happen. But like dramatic purposes. You you can assume based on what he is right now, he does have anti-human sentiments because the world has not been kind to Tanaka. We actually don't know anything about him, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We we get a lot of revolutionary sentiment where, like, during the whole him attacking the security booth, he's like, "Igen rights are going to see a sea change." It's well, it it's like yeah. okay, you're so you're fighting for equality or supremacy. We don't really know. He's also performing to a camera at that moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. What we do know is he shoots a lot of people. Even people who uh, are surrendering. Into, yes, are surrendering at this point, like weren't directly involved in the torture or whatever. We won't even get into I was just doing my job, people, but I, I like the like crowd of doctors he's gunning down by one by one, and it's after two that Kay goes, Hey, um, well, I mean they don't even have guns. They're not attacking us. This isn't self-defense. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. We could just break their arms. He shoots another guy. He's like, okay, hold on. We're going to stop shooting people now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he's very calm about this. Yeah, he just likes to murder. 
also we've talked a lot about the mangaka being a gun otaku i think the panel that in that illustrates that best is when hat is you know 1v12ing a bunch of guards mm-hmm. and he he cuts his own arm off because you know he got shot in the arm with a tranquil with a tranquilizer uh shoots himself in the head so that he gets the regeneration going and <laughs> just the silhouette of him rising back up to continue gun firing where the gun is just his dick. <laughs> yeah. Like that shadow, man. <laughs> that scene's so good because the, the like fight choreography is amazing because his entire time he cut off the arm. So he knows he can't use his rifle until he goes for a revive, but he's not going to do a revive before he needs it because that leaves him like a split second of being open. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So he pulls out the handgun and shoots until he's and shoots the guards until he's down to one bullet. He puts in his own brain. Like it's a really, really well choreographed gunfight. I'm just razzing this one panel for the phallic imagery, but it is so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we cut back to where we were, which was the whole "Hey, don't kill these people," and mm-hmm. K-, K basically has like a, a crisis of faith here. He runs off with the two hospital uh the two surgeons with him one of them's very apologetic and the other one's kind of a dick but like he's like okay these people are giving up we're not going to kill them like they're not a threat to us i'm i'm kind of drawing the line at unnecessary murder here and hat's just like nope we're killing everybody i'm gonna radicalize you if it's the death of me and he's like a gunfight and he's just like hey, I'm going to sacrifice myself because I, I can't die, so I'm going to be a distraction. You guys run, and then as payment, you just tell me what the route out of here is. And as if Hat could hear that, he's just like, hey, kid, by the way, we can die. Mm-hmm. You still going to give up your life for them? It's like, what do you mean? You know how we keep mentioning like a ship of Theseus thing about what happens when your head gets cut off and you regen? Uh, turns out, if you hold your head, I can make you watch your body <laughs> form a new head, and then your head dies. Oh, yeah, that was very, very deep. I also I also really like how this plays into the Nakamura incident, Mm -hmm. because one of the things that we didn't mention was the reason that the Aijin hunters found him. He thought he had cleaned up all the evidence from that scene. The thing he didn't consider was that his his helmet had his severed head in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so. Nakamura is forced to look upon his own severed head still in the helmet and has this crisis of faith, which is what summons all the ghosts. Also, notably, it's when he screams that the black ghosts appear. Something about the voice is weird that paralyzes people. I'm just saying, maybe the voice speaks to the soul. And so people freeze up when their souls uh, go into some sort of catatonic shock from the screaming or respond to it in some way. But the free ghosts of the dead just come running. I do. I do like that. They described like what's happening with the the scream or the voc- voice is like just a prey reaction to a natural predator of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, they reference tonic immobility as if anyone has any idea what the hell that is. <laughs> I have a very abstract, vague understanding of what that is, but I that's do, ha- I, I do have to say that I kind of agree with that theory just because there's so much narrative around, well, one, humanity, what makes us human, and 
this is definitely feeding into a little bit of that narrative if if it's the soul with that whole ship of theseus thing now established yeah and that's that's really cool because um the uh the main character from the prologue chapter has like a whole oh god am i even the same person <laughs> meanwhile mm -hmm. Kay's like oh so i can actually die I guess my body would still live on, but am I the same person? And I'm like, that's really cool. But if your body's completely regenerating your brain, that means there's some part of you where your brain that is, is actually living. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's left vague on purpose because I feel like there's more to it than mm -hmm. it at first appears. I, I think my reading on that, and this is purely a philosophical thing, is like, I think I'd be comfortable with my head getting cut off at that point because I'd, I'd just be like, OK, souls are real then because if yeah. my head is being regenerated with memories, that means my memories don't live in my head. Mm -hmm. They live in they live in my soul. And every time I fall asleep, I die. We've been over this in another. Exactly. 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 It's like, OK, so the the Star Trek uh, beam me up suicide box thing has been answered, kind of. It's been answered in the show in that it literally just makes copies of people when it messes up like. <laughs> Uh, tangent, but Star Trek Enterprise has some of the laziest um, like justification <laughs> for that. There's the guy who invented warp technology and they're talking to him and they're just like, yeah, wow, this is really cool. We could get this all on all the uh, ships in Starfleet. And he's just like, you wouldn't believe what I had to tell those dang liberals on the planet. They're worried that it would just copy people. It doesn't do that. The soul or like the integrity of the human being has been proven time and time again. And I'm like, you're just kind of telling people that like, mm -hmm. hey, here's a concern we have. Don't worry about it. Was this like scientist response? <laughs> oh, that was a weird tangent, but we'll move on. <laughs> we shall, because uh, now Nagai is determined to protect uh, the the researchers, the one guy who's kind of a dick and the one guy who's kind of sympathetic. Because that's the big thing. He is told explicitly, you are not a mortal. You can actually die. You are risking something by doing this. And he's just like, still going to do it. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot less to risk than these two because they only they have the one shot in life. Yeah, yeah. I, I have whatever is living inside my head as a life like that's I'm risking less than they would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like the I this is where we get into the real like exploiting the mechanics of how Igen work for the mind games thing. And it's what Platinum End wishes it was. <laughs> it really it, <laughs> And you hit it you hit the nail on the head with that one. Because Hat is coming around to uh just uh go full decapitator mode. And it's like, ah, I see the guy's fingers there. He didn't hide them behind the bookshelf, those fingers are severed. Oh, that means that he's and the guy is dropping down from the top of the bookshelf onto him. But Hat anticipated this. So he shoves his kukri up through his own armpit in order to impale the guy and then throw him back. It is such a dynamic fight. I also love that Ajin's bodies are apparently made of Play-Doh. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the pain tolerance of these characters after we had emphasized so heavily that pain is still a thing for them. Uh, well, it's I mean, I, I would understand K's. They they have been uh, K had gone through a bunch of torture and would have higher pain tolerance. Yeah, I, I, I think they're pain. He spent, yeah, he spent 10 days getting constantly murdered. I, I'm 100 percent willing to believe their pain tolerance is basically non-existent or 
superpowered at this point. Yeah. Like, it, it's just it's just kind of funny how uh, quickly that got moved past. What's more funny yeah. is how super strong Hat is, and that he just like cleanly severs limbs with a knife. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. a really good knife. It's a really good knife, and I'm sure there's probably some like nonsense about how because his pain tolerance is so high, he can just ignore buildup of lactic acid and stuff. Like, yeah. Something that doesn't actually work, but I'm sure is like the pseudoscience justification. Yeah, it's like he can push past human limits limits because he doesn't feel pain stopping him from the adrenaline response thing. Yeah, he can give 110 percent because he doesn't care if his arm explodes. It's like partly the fact that he has like a kukri. It's also just like I will constantly go as hard as I possibly can because I can just shoot myself in the head and reset to perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this fight's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Oh, uh, super- we also get uh, K's ghost saves him by uh, taking off Hat's arm, uh, but it also clips him too, which he's uh, none too pleased about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where this is where it's. Uh, it had been hinted before, but this is where it's stated outright that his ghost is weirdly autonomous. Yeah, is, go- is this also where um, Hat reveals like? I don't think he says it outright, but I think it's a thought bubble where he's just like, the kid failed. But the reason I still invested in him was because, like, something was weird about how he failed. Yes, he says that there's something, like, fundamentally off about this guy. And he's, like, morbidly intrigued about what that could be. Which kind of, like, leans into, I don't want to say ironically, but it's kind of funny how the humans want to use the Ajin and the Ajin want to use the Ajin. Because all of this is just like, this is really an interesting science experiment. Or we just torture humans to death. It's fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut to the uh, the surgeons who have been escaping. And the one who's not a giant douche has grabbed a marker and is paying his debt going like, hey, we said we'd help him. He's just like, he's just a monster. Why are we helping him? It's like, because we said, dude. And he's drawing Mm -hmm. a line out to the like way to get out. And the guy who's a douche with him just goes like, oh, no, they're just going to follow the line and kill you. I'm going to hide in the supply closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, because no one has thought of this before. And then we find out that uh, these ghosts, unsurprisingly, can act as swipers on behalf of, of their main, you know, these controller. ghosts, these ghosts can wield guns. Yes. <laughs> and they also well, have very cool mouths. They do. Yeah, because um, what happens is uh now that he's aware that the people got away um, and the ghost distracted him, Kay runs off after the line. Hat kind of like slowly chases after him and passes by this broom closet. And the guy's just like, oh, good. They pass by. And then the door opens and it's Hat's ghost who has a snake for a head. A very, and, very detailed snake mouth. And says something along the lines of, the ghost can feel emotions, especially incredibly strong ones. And this one is full of malice. Mm. I love killing things. It's like humans can see the ghosts during powerful when when the ghosts have powerful emotions aimed at the humans. Particularly in and in this case, it's malice. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then that dude's eaten by a snake mouth because it's cool. Uh, it's very cool. And one of the things that I like is uh, we have a brief uh, interlude with uh, Dr. Ogura, 
who is trying to explain more to the colonel about how the iGen work. And he's like, hey, why do humans eat oranges? What 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 the fuck is that? It's because we don't generate vitamin C ourselves, forehead. <laughs> so why do the iGen generate vitamins when they die of deficiency? It's because they can so is it really so insane that they can generate new matter in the form of these IBMs, which is a, the American that, designation? That's what the much cooler U.S. military calls them. My favorite panel of Dr. Ogura is when one of the like crotchety old Japanese scientists is berating him for being, I guess. <laughs> it's just like for having these ideas. Yes, you were uh, you were considered such a hack that you were driven out of uh, that. No one took you seriously. And a girl just kind of points at him and goes in Japan. It's like you are the worst pirate I've ever heard of, but you have heard of me. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm Mr. Worldwide. I'm international friend. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the big final confrontation is a rainy rooftop scene for maximum ambiance. Especially because what we find out is when Kay gets up there, the surgeon had been waiting for him by the like emergency fire escape at the top of the building. And he's just like, why did you wait for me? He's just like, because you needed help and people help each other when they need help. Oh, my God. No, don't do the voice. <laughs> this surgeon's so helpful. <laughs> I'm just a good old country boy. Oh my God. I'm I the would most have wholesome. a beer with him. I, I, I would, would have never, a... never do not trust. Anyway, back to back to the actual manga. The the whole time he's just like, yeah, no, I just genuinely want to help you. I feel bad for your situation. I I you know I knew what we were doing was wrong, but this really was like a come to Jesus moment. I realized I need to help you because you can probably get away. Like I was gonna take you on a car, but we'll we'll figure it out. You need to escape. And this is when we get like the almost a twist, but kind of like just a revelation here. Kay goes. How how are you doing this? And he's just like, what helping people? What do you mean? I was like, no. How do you feel empathy? Mm. Like I I genuinely don't understand how to care about you. Like, and I feel like this is kind of a culmination because obviously, kind of the fact that he kind of is able to articulate the sentiment so directly kind of makes me think that he's been ruminating over this for like years and years. And then he's like, I feel like this person would be the best person to ask. I mean, he doesn't personally know me and all this other stuff. But he's like, like, yeah, how do you do that? I've always been wondered that. Like, how? I've well, just been taking social cues and kind of working off of that. But I mean... I, I think it's especially because this is a complete stranger who's yeah. risking so much to help him for seemingly no reason. He's just like, I, I understand, like, friendship. I understand family. I, like, I understand those concepts. But here you are just doing a completely selfless thing. And I just don't understand that. Like, this is a safe place to ask those questions. Of like, except how? it's objectively not safe. <laughs> there is a gunman onto the bursts onto the roof and starts gatting. <laughs> the dude gets like shot. The surgeon gets shot and falls to the ground. And Kay just kind of has like a switch go on his brain, going like. Oh, well, he's dead. Well, time to leave. I guess there's no reason. Oh, he's still alive. Well, better try and save him. <laughs> like, and like we suddenly get like very much more like depth into viewing K as a character because you realize a lot of where his selfless kind of 
what in like a different manga would be like shonen heroism is really just kind of pragmatic like what makes me look the best yeah and i really like that like you don't see that a lot and this is really cool because it's like because what we find out is he understands looking good for other people and he understands being selfless is a desirable trait from others mm -hmm. so he's, he acknowledges that he doesn't feel this intrinsically he doesn't feel intrinsically good but he acknowledges that doing good act makes other people value you you more mm -hmm. yes you get your good boy points and then you cash them in at the end of the day and oh my it, God, and Jay, it shut up <laughs> <laughs> and it brings into question you know kind of the whole point of morality it's like what is better to be born good or to overcome evil nature through great effort oh don't don't get me started on the like nature of performative ethics i love that kind of nonsense of like what's the difference between being a good person because you like being perceived as a good person and just genuinely feeling good from an outside perspective literally nothing like that <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. No, we, we would be here all day debating that. And that like that's what I was getting at earlier, where it's like, why does K seem to feel this guilt about Kaito's the danger that he's in during the mountain pass escape sequence? Yeah. Be because uh, if he's if he is a sociopath, then he shouldn't feel any sort of empathy towards Kaito's situation. So is it a guilt reaction? Is it a pragmatic uh my asset is going away it, am i putting this asset at a greater risk because of this situation or is is guilt even inherently tied to empathy yeah and um to me i think the big thing here is that in both of these cases that's different from all of the other times there was a life and death grand gesture involved i really mm -hmm. do think that Whilst K maybe uh, isn't the best about empathy, you know, because, you know, it, degrees of it, you know, everyone is, you know, has has varying capacity for it. He might have trouble with it, but I do really think that he does have a level of empathy in him because he he does the calculation in his head with the scientist who had been shot. He does the calculation and said, I can't save him. Like, I could go back, I could pick him up, I could drag him to the edge of the roof, but, like, even if we got off the roof and he was still alive, he's gonna bleed out from the gunshot in his heart. But he does it anyway because he wants to help the person who helped him. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. there's no there's no value in that. He... I guess I'd see the value when it's like very transactional, though. It's like you did a solid for me. I'm going to do one for you. Not because necessarily I feel like I should. It's because I just have a very transactional view of things. Yeah. And that, that's even, kind of where I feel like the guilt over his friend dying is like he has a quote afterwards where he's just like he risked his life for me. I can't even risk my life for him. Like mm. it's very tit for tat. Like he's just like that person helped me. I have to help them. But he doesn't yes. feel like the emotional tie of like, no, it's good to just help people. It's I need to repay what's been given to me because equivalent exchange. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was full metal alchemist all along. <laughs> Too bad he gets his body back like every single <laughs> episode. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing with the doctor, because like the doctor is very definitely still dying. But so long as he's still alive, Kay feels the compulsion to make an effort for him when when he thinks that the doctor died instantly he immediately disregards him as little more than an obstacle on the on the field and like to be fair 
the effort he puts into saving the doctor is very much like, yeah, this would be a lot of work. I'm going to drop you off the side because we there is a chance you will survive, which is more than I could give you doing anything else. Mm. Good luck. And then drops him because like he goes like he could go limp and then would survive if he hits soft ground. I can't guarantee any of those variables in this situation because currently my ghost is boxing another ghost. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is really cool, but... <laughs> he is worth the best shot that he could possibly give him. He's just like, uh, it's worth a try. After he drops the doctor in the planter. It is unclear whether he survives or not. It is. It doesn't really matter, to be fair. <laughs> like, mm. I mean, it matters because he has a first-hand account of the fact that, hey, this K guy did this very noble deed of mine, and I guess well, there yeah. is also the public perception of, oh, look, the the demi-human just yeeted a doctor off a building. The media yep. sees him Michael Jacksoning that guy. I, I was about <laughs> to say, the media is publicly reporting this, like, Ajin killing a dude, when at all the media has been saying about Ajin is that they are exactly like humans except immortal, and they have never harmed a human being, and now... <laughs> In other words, stay calm, everyone. Stay calm. They pose no threat. And Kay flings himself into the into the channel, uh, which, considering there's a torrential downpour happening, uh, is opening its floodgates to the sea so he, his corpse can be washed out to the ocean as an escape. Which he got from the doctor, by the way. Yeah, the, yep. the doctor the was just pointed like, hey, it out. I'm not going to be able to, to um, drive you anymore, but if you can get to that place, and then they intrinsically knew. Uh, there's also a cool scene during the like ghost boxing fight where one of them headbutts the other and they both get like a brain flash of each other's memories. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah like, cuz that that's really interesting because it's the moment where you know Kaito was being a good friend to K and then we see Hat getting abused by his father or something. I thought it was like a boxing instructor. It it's kind of hard to tell cuz like the sound effect kanji is covering over the speech bubble. Mm-hmm. on purpose yeah on purpose but it's it's a guy that kind of looks like hat going to punch him in the face saying how many times do i have to blah 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 it, it could be a lot of things yeah it could be and again this manga really thrives on ambiguity speaking of which um <laughs> we do end on one little thing which is um eriko uh basically finishing her flashback about hey what was weird about my brother uh, hold I, on. I grew up with him and I was closer to him than anyone else. And there is something really weird about him. He doesn't actually care about people. She was able to see past his mask and know how performative his emotions were. I want to become a doctor so I can cure my sister's illness. And she's just like. You're doing that to look cool. He doesn't care. Like that, he's doing that because he thinks that's what a good older brother does, not because he cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also when we also learn the reason why their mother wanted Kay to stop hanging out with Kaito, because Kaito is the son of a criminal. And Kay yeah. was immediately a rel- ready to do that and dropped him mm-hmm. with no thing and called Kaito and said, hey, we can't talk anymore because you're a dirty criminal scum and I want to be a good human being. Mm hmm. And the sister goes to find Kaito crying under the tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And she's obviously got a crush on Kaito. I mean, I can't blame the girl. Come on, she has eyes. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so really, it's be interesting if that perhaps is partially the reason, looking back now, of why uh, Kaito was so willing, even after he was told off like that, to like drop everything. Maybe Eriko did like some kind of reconnaissance and or something. I don't know. That's that's why Eriko was gonna turn them in because she didn't want like Kaito hurt by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she genuinely thinks that her brother would have just used Kaito. She she does not give a very nice picture of her brother. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because it's not even though that she feels necessarily, and possibly it's because of her knowledge of demi-humans and the perception around them, but she doesn't seem to be like, oh, he has a psychological problem and he, you know, really could use some treatment. Like, she uses it to kind of say, this person's a jerk and I'm better just writing them off. That's why I don't care. She's like, I'm not surprised. My brother was always a bad person. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. she is literally not old enough to know a world without demi-humans as well mm-hmm. because the first semi-human happened when like in the same year that case like generation was born mm-hmm. 17 mm-hmm. Well, that that is the end of our reading and i just want to point out you guys were saying oh k's mom is such a douche but the sister oh, is I- also like k is a bad person <laughs> Yes, the entire also, the entire Nagai family's kind of fucked up. I'm also able to put myself with the situational context surrounding all of this as to why they would feel the reason it's better to just detach. I'm I'm and, just saying, if if you've known for a long time your son is a sociopath and you yeah. suddenly get the call from the animal shelter, you're not surprised. And it's one of those things that you I I hope you don't have to encounter, but it. I can say this. I don't necessarily condone it, but I understand it. You guys ever watched those uh, murder documentaries where they interview the person who was just like, yep, knew the entire time. (laughs) He was always weird. Yeah, exactly. You know, that one friend you went to high school with and you're like, you would not be surprised. You got a phone call to hear that they like had like 20 years in jail. And you're like, yeah, I'll see that. That makes sense. I guess I just uh, hung around with a better crowd. Wait, no, I hang around with you guys. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, that's just objectively untrue. <laughs> hmm. Look, none of us have been on the news yet, so. It's not so illegal till you get caught. If you don't want to be on the news, don't make the news. Yeah, you scorp. Hey, favorite character. God, I, I cited like three people, but no, it's Hat. Hat's great. He is so scummy. He is the slimiest snake. and. He's so much fun to watch in in action because he is so he and he's a great foil to Kay because he is great at performing being the hero. You know, he's got his righteous cause, his uh, just actions of defeating these oppressive humans to save the Aijin from their torturous existence. He is the hand reaching down to drag them from perdition. And then he. If you don't Can, fall in line, we'll put we'll mm-hmm. put you exactly where you need to be so that you think my way. Mm-hmm. He likes killing. He kidnaps children. He will lie, cheat, steal, and murder to get exactly what he wants, and enjoys most of it. 
Yeah. And that is that is a level of of like character depth that we like Matt said, we don't often get outside of Sandy manga, and I love to see it. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, favorite character? Um, oh man, it's hard. But basically, every character in this is amazing, and if they were on their own in another series we read, I would pick each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, the person I enjoyed the most is probably a little bit of an oddball pick. I'm gonna go with the classmate, Kiske. Mm-hmm. Just because his entire like mini arc, like even if they mm-hmm. don't ever come back to him, just paints a picture of how the world works that like I really enjoyed. Like there was a nice little philosophical bit in there about like the the matter of one life compared to why don't you help all these people or help people who don't like it was literally putting a value on how much helping someone is and like just trying to do a good thing costs people like it. It's the morality I really like in the story where it actually goes into being a good person is hard and will cost you things. And like a lot of less deep manga will just tell you being a good person is easy and super easy to do and is always what you should do and really just avoids the concept of like, yeah, but like it takes effort and you need to keep doing that effort and you need to be prepared to make sacrifices like it. Aspirational versus aspirational versus the reality of the real world is complicated and what is good doesn't always mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Mm. Jay, how about you? Favorite character? <sighs> I have to say, and I've already uh, alluded to this, but I would have to say Kaito is my favorite. I want exposition on his backstory. Um, I've alluded to a little bit, the fact that he was able to pull off those quick thinking and those awesome moves to just immediately start taking folks down was probably because he was involved with some pretty shady folks growing up, but I like him. He is a ray of sunshine being a loyal friend from what we've seen. And I hope nothing happens to him. He definitely won't be revealed to be an agent later. (laughs) (laughs) And Jacob favorite character. Um, probably the most interesting to me would be Izumi. Um, I feel like there's so more so many more places to go with her character. That's true for everybody, really. But having the iGen on the government side and having her decide where her loyalties lie is an interesting plot line. I like how we all had distinctive answers and excellent reasons for all of them. I like how Jacob didn't name four characters. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, but. <laughs> uh, so what are the black? ghosts stroke general plot predictions because i feel like those are fairly tied together together yeah again i think they're souls they're they're human souls and some mutation has allowed uh, a select group of people that have a mutation to see the light refracted off of the matter that manifests the soul uh, so, um, the thought I had, and this isn't substantiated by a lot, so I don't have a lot of stock in this theory, and I know Aijin means something in Japanese, but I immediately thought of with these, like, dark creatures that, like, they give you the thing you want, but not necessarily in the way that you want it. Very monkey's paw, you know, here's the thing you asked for. It made me think of the Jin. If you swap out the A, it becomes Jin, the mm, original genie. concept behind genies. 
um, the folklore behind genies. So um, my immediate thought was, uh, you know, it, it has something to do with some kind of uh, wish granting power that's being unwillingly bestowed on people. But in all honesty, Sam's spiel on the soul makes way more sense given what we've seen so far. So I'd, I'd <laughs> bet on his horse rather than mine. Yeah, I I think I don't go as far as it like being the soul manifested. I think it might be like strong emotional connections and like emotional results have probably like a physical effect that's just naked to the human eye. And mm. those are stored in like a core that is like someone's heart and that those memories are what creates the Ajin. Like they're a manifestation mm. of these like deep emotional connections. And that could be why the the voice has a lesser effect on people that the uh, that the Ajin has an emotional attachment mm -hmm. to. Yeah. And that's also like when someone died, it's the grief that's manifesting into a spirit rather than like their soul mm. actually leaving their body. That works, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, th there is so little to go on for this. Like, yeah. uh -huh. there is a lot of ground left to cover. <laughs> I mean, did you already cover the fact that it seems like these ghosts seem to harbor the immediate emotions of, do we call them their host? They, they do just kind of ramble. There, there is the whole thing about how um, Kay has a whole thing where he seems to be wearing a mask and he's hiding like his violent impulses and his Ajin is like more openly realistic and kind of has like a vindictive attitude towards Kay. Mm hmm. Yeah, because like the, the whole thing that Hat was looking for is just um, the memories he has of just like, I'm going to kill them. It'd be easier if we just broke their arms, like just the casual violence and just disregard for people is the real K and it's leaking out through his Ajin. And like the human version of him is constantly like trying to push those feelings down and not acknowledging they are genuine to him. Mm hmm. I think there's probably also something to do with how the Ajin are represented as like humanoid bodies with like a face missing in the shape of a mask and how K is referred to as wearing a mask is probably mm. also something to do with that. And how Hat, who's more in tune with himself, his Ajin has more of a defined face like he's more realistic to who he is. Yeah, it's got a it's got a clearly shaped like head. Mm -hmm. I'm sure and there's something there. And that head has a snake mouth. Because mm -hmm. it's cool. Yep. Fork tongue, long fangs. Yep. He's the devil. So would would you continue reading? Honestly, it was hard to stop. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't have to start the recording session, I would be like a dozen chapters uh, further in already. <laughs> How about you, Jake? Uh, yeah, I'd continue reading. It's definitely a lot of interesting questions. Um, and it does it does a, a neat thing that I like that, you know, hit or miss, you know, when uh, it's appropriate for a story to do this sort of thing. But it, it does a lot of I'm going to pose to you questions, not give you answers. I'm not going to give you my morality and tell you that, you know, this character is objectively right. Uh, this is the kind of story where it really leverages that idea of there isn't really a right answer, like particularly with the whole, um, you know, who do you do good for bit. How about you, Jay? I agree with everything. It was very captivating, and we obviously left off in a bit of a cliffy, because I know it's... Yes. Um, yeah, so... 
would continue reading. <laughs> and Matt. Yeah, uh, I would 100% continue reading. This was my exact kind of nonsense I love. I love philosophical questions. And I, I think this is like genuinely philosophical as opposed to things that call themselves philosophical. Mm. Like this, this mm. is actually asking questions and not just shoving answers down your throat. And like also just the fact that it's got so many mysteries that I genuinely care about and I want to like know what's going on here. It is weaved a puzzle box that I would love to see more of. And like considering what we've been reading lately, I'm just like. Holy shit, if a manga's allowed to breathe, it can be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, thank you, everybody, once again, for tuning into the OverMangaCast. As always, you can find us on all of your social medias where we are at OverMangaCast. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it's called now, Instagram, you know the places. Uh, we're also on YouTube where you can like, comment, and subscribe. The episodes go up on a two-week delay, so if you want our up-to-date stuff... Uh, head over to OverMangaCast.com where we have uh, all the episodes and even a place where you can comment on those. Uh, give us your suggestions. Uh, tell us your philosophy. Uh, tell us how uh, we're wrong and, and how uh, you know exactly who you need to help. And as always, we appreciate reviews in any and all forums. Reach out to us, OverMangaCast at gmail.com or again, the comment section on OverMangaCast.com. Uh, we love hearing suggestions or things we should read. This was one of them. Um, you know, it's always good to get a, cause again, loved this and would not have read it if it wasn't suggested to us. So good, good job. Whoever suggested this. Good for you. You did good. Unlike the and person who recommended Shonen Shoujo, which we loved in spite of it being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, we were told not to read that one. Crap. What was the one we didn't like? Yeah, move on. <laughs> Anyway, we are keeping the suffering train rolling because next week we are reading Jujutsu Kaisen chapters 55 through 79. So if you're keeping up with the show, be sure to read that and we'll see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Oh, you know, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I'm just going to go reset myself, guys. Wait, Jake, no. No. Jacob, that doesn't work outside the...